All right, everybody, welcome to another episode of Morelia Python Radio. And tonight, yes, we are stepping outside of the box. We are talking monitors. So and it's not because I got the monitor bug, Owen. It That's is. not no, why. No, it is. No, it is. It is. It is. <laughs> Embrace your shame and let's yeah. move on with it, okay? So you we're know? doing a live stream. Uh, you know, every once in a while, NPR does this over on the uh, NPR Network channel, uh, YouTube channel. But uh, yeah, so tonight uh, we're going to be uh, checking out uh, some cool monitors. Uh, I would I would definitely uh, – we're going to share the screen uh, as mm -hmm. we go through this and look at um, his uh, – here comes Bob Rock. He's in here. Late. Uh, late. <laughs> there he is. Bob late, Rock's here. Late. So we're going to share pictures or whatever. But if you're listening to this on the audio, go over to Mike Monitor, mikesmonitors.com, and you can check out all his enclosures and stuff that we're going to be talking about. Amazing. Top-notch. Definitely have to check it out. Awesome. Um, yeah, and I just want to throw out uh, a plug for US Arc. Make sure you go and remember and all that stuff, and uh, make sure that uh, you know five dollars a month isn't too much to ask. Just go over, sign up. Uh, it'll well worth it with everything that's going on. It's uh, definitely uh, good to be informed of uh, of what uh, you know they're trying to take away rights of animals and shipping and all this different stuff. So it's good to uh, know what's going on. Uh, yep. With that being said, let's just jump into it. We got Rob Stone uh, is with us, aka Bob Rock. He's over there. <laughs> oh, that, yeah. way. <laughs> that way. That way. That way. There, there he is. Yeah, that's Bob. Um, but yeah. Uh, yeah, you got the chat is bumping. Everybody in the chat, how you doing? Uh, welcome, and we're gonna we're gonna talk some monitors. So, welcome, Mike. How you doing? Glad to have you. And uh, yeah, let's do it. I'm doing good, doing? guys. Thanks. Pleasure to meet you guys. Uh, yeah. You know, we're kind of crossing over here, but uh, <laughs> reptiles are reptiles, man. <laughs> we're we're hey. jumping into your territory, which is really weird for us. Yeah. <laughs> hey, I, I was, you know, I was hoping that I would fit in, but I so far I'm talking to you guys. We're having a pretty good time here. Oh, reptiles yeah, are reptiles. It's all good. So yeah, yeah. But that's awesome. But man, you've been in this for a very, very long time. I mean, like, how long have you been keeping reptiles? Well, I'll be honest with you. When I was five years old. Uh, of course, before that, catching, you know, stuff in the neighborhood and ants, whatever, any kind of creature, you know, I was uh, drawn to. My mom, for my fifth birthday, gave me a triungus, a three-toed box turtle. And <laughs> pretty much from my fifth birthday to now, I've had some type of bird, fish, reptile, whatever. That's awesome. Tarantulas, That's awesome. I love it all. Everything, everything's good. There's no real, you know, uh, you won't draw a line anywhere. You just take it all. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm not much for cats, man. I mean, <laughs> forgive, me, forgive me, cat people, but give me one of them shaved ones, man. I like them shaved ones. Them, them ones that are bald. Them are That's pretty where cool. the line is. <laughs> right. yeah. No dander. Awesome. I like no it. Dander. No dander. No. Nope. Yeah, right. That's awesome. So, um, I, I mean, we we've obviously been checking out the website and stuff like that, but can you kind of give us a little bit of a brief overview of what you got, like now as part of your collection? Yeah, sure. Uh, I got. I've been working with uh, the Mertens, of course. Uh, oh. I've, hatched, I've hatched lots of Mertens. I um, I, awesome. I bred. I guess go, we can go back to the beginning. I, sure. I bred black tree monitors, uh, Prasinus. Green tree, black tree, cross. I did that one time. It's kind of, you know, it's is that it's a no no. Yeah, did you was, it, was that on purpose? <laughs> no, it, it was it was an accident. It's a funny story. So <laughs> I 
like I was telling Eric that I was, you know, into colubrids, uh, North American desert rat snakes. I had rainbow mm. boas and I was breeding them. That's kind of when I went more with the breeding end of reptiles. And, uh, and then, you know, I was a concrete finisher for 30 years. So uh, in the off season, winter here, you know, like the Arctic tundra, I, I was selling at a local swap, Lee Watson's reptile swap. And I would pick up uh, some tarantulas from a friend locally here and I'd sell my snakes and, and tarantulas and stuff. Well, I, I made a few really cool trades, not really knowing anything about monitors. As a matter of fact, I was so green, I didn't even know. I, I When you said monitors to me back then, I just thought Savannah and Nile monitor. And I was like, yeah, I don't want nothing, you know, I, I don't want nothing to do with them. So a guy came up to me. And he offered uh, a, a Jobiensis, a peach throat. And this thing, it was it was beautiful, but I, I really yeah. didn't know about him. I didn't know, I didn't even know that something like that existed in the world at the time. So uh, I traded him, I don't know, a rainbow bow, I believe it was. And so that that's just like Eric there, man, that's when you get bit by the monitor bug, <laughs> you're, you're done. That was it, that peach throat, and that was it? That's it. That was it. So, so another guy came, and he was telling me, I mean, back then, it was, you couldn't find this, like, now you can get almost anything that's not, you know, illegal to get. Yeah. Um, he said to me, a guy wanted to trade for some spiders, and I'm like, ah, oh, sure, what do you, you know, what do you got? Now, this is after uh, like a couple of weeks of doing some research on monitors. He said, I have a green tree monitor. I'm like, no, really? He goes, yeah. He goes, and I've had it since it was the size of an anole. I'm like, wow. So, you know, he goes, oh, come over and check it out sometime. This guy wanted, he wanted to trade me uh, this Prasinus for uh, um, uh, the Brachypalma Vegans, a uh, uh, Mexican red rump tarantula you know, very inexpensive. I'm like, yeah. I, <laughs> I go, okay. yeah, I'm thinking, you know, no problem. I can throw you something else in on the deal too, make you happy. Yeah. So I go to his house and the guy goes, I'm like, okay, he's got everything. He's got shrunken heads. He's got mummies. This guy got everything, all kinds of weird shit. <laughs> so can I swear? I mean, I'm yeah, of course. No, fuck it. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> I'm not doing something wrong. It hasn't started. Yeah, it started. <laughs> so uh, he goes, it's over there in a 29-gallon fish tank. I'm like, wait a minute. I'm, I'm still a greenhorn, but I know 29-gallon fish tank in a percentage, it, yeah. you know, it ain't good. So he goes, um, he goes, just open the top and put your arm out. I open the top, put my arm out. This thing scurried up my arm and it ran and sat on my shoulder and it just sat there. And I was like, you know, you got a mirror, man. I want to check this thing out. So <laughs> I go to a mirror and I'm looking at it. The thing was just, it, it was, I named it G monkey because it was like having a green monkey. The thing <laughs> it sat on my shoulder, like a That's parrot. Awesome. I, yeah. I walked, I wanted to wear a patch on my eye. That's how I felt with this thing. <laughs> it starts saying, "R." That's great. That's great. So, <laughs> so um so I, I traded the guy for that and mm. now back then it was hard to find males females anything uh and in the meantime i picked up a trio of um really beat up imported uh Bacari, black tree monitors and in the in the process of breeding them i thought i had gotten a couple of female green tree monitors 
but they always turned out to be male. I mean, this is going back to where it was hard to find this stuff. Mm-hmm. So um, one day I'm spraying down the black tree cage and I got G monkey on my shoulder and he's looking all, you know, Hey, wow, what's going on in there? And my females are cycling. My black tree females are cycling and I know he smells it. Right. So I'm like, Hey, go ahead, jump in there, man. Get you some. So he jumps off my shoulder. He goes in there, went right to the larger of the two females. Oh, and no. that was it. It was, it was game on. He locked up with her and, you know, I've had him a while. So, and I know he hasn't had nothing. He's been in a 29 gallon fish tank. So I felt bad for him. I wanted to at least let him get his rocks off or whatever. So, so I left him in there while I was doing my work and stuff. And, and, you know, they kind of released. So I took him out, put him away. And, you know, over the next two weeks, whatever, she started really swelling up. So I'm like, wow, I, I wonder if G monkey did it or if my black tree male, you know, did his job again. And um, so she laid a three egg clutch. I, uh, I stole her eggs, put them in the incubator and I waited. Oh, geez, man. I don't know. That was a long incubation, isn't it? Yeah. Long, long, almost yeah. five months, six months. That's probably and, nuts. <laughs> yeah, trust me. And then I got a story, another story about yeah. egg incubation. So the eggs hatch and they come out green. So <laughs> she's black and he's green. So I knew he got the job done. So I did that one cross. I never did it again. Of course, you know, the, the, at that time, the community came down on me and they're like, oh, it's unethical. And in the meantime, you got other people that are triple crossing Gouldi, Panoptis, and uh, Flavarufus, which are you know, all three great species, but man, Flavarufus is like a Porsche and you're mixing it with Cadillacs and, you know, maybe like a Mustang and you're, you're really, you're just diluting it. So that really put it into perspective for me, why things should be kept clean. Because like right now in this country, if you try to find a pure Flavarufus, good luck. I guarantee you, yeah, it ain't going to happen unless Mm. some got smuggled in or whatever. Ever. but it, it's it's not going to happen and that's a beautiful animal man so that's my g monkey story that's awesome <laughs> that's awesome i kind of knew where that was going the second you were like and then he jumped in the cage it's like ah shit <laughs> like it's, i bet you he takes no time at all it's never no. the hell you want <laughs> uh, i think i was more excited than him though so. <laughs> awesome that's awesome um, and then you said, what was the other one you said about egg incubation? If you want to hit that one or, or oh, yeah. I don't know if you guys had questions or so the, you the, yeah, you got any questions? No. no, those guys are over there. So, so, um, I bred my Mertens monitors, of course, not, oh. you know, not, there's not a lot known out there about, you know, real incubation time and so i put them in the incubator and and i'm getting clutch after clutch after clutch and this is going on and and it's like you know i'm calling around i'm asking people in europe i'm asking another guy in the united states who had bred them um and everybody you know there i i was getting the answers like well 100 to 250 days i'm like wow that's that's yeah, what, what do I got to do? Crank the heat up, lower it. I'm thinking, you know. So at that point, I was incubating all my eggs at like 87 degrees, which I don't do anymore. I I, mm. I, I put them at 85, and just you know, it takes a little longer, but it, there's not much of a difference. 
Um, you know, my success, uh, my hatch rate success is through the roof. I lost right. one Mertens. I, I had, I had hatched 49. I say 50 because the one pipped on its own. And, you know, I was so excited. This was after 262 days. Holy so, shit. Yeah, when you poke <laughs> oh, your head in the yeah. incubator and you see a baby Mertens coming out, you're done, I was, done. Oh my God. Yeah. I, I did. Screw I the got, rest of the day, I'm sitting right here and I'm <laughs> watching this. Like, <laughs> that, was, that was after my stupid little dance I did. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so, whatever. I got tired. I went upstairs. I come back down in the morning and his head was gone. He, he went back into the egg. Uh, I was like, yeah, man, I got a lot of eggs in the incubator. I'm cutting them open. I got to, you know, I got to see if he's okay. So I cut that egg open and it died. It, it drowned in the egg. Right. That would have been my 50th hatch. So, yeah. and I know, you know, people, people kind of frown on cutting monitor eggs. I don't care because I've cut 49 Merton eggs and I have not lost one. So what I do is I just, uh, when the pip time comes or 262 days ish, I'll, um, you know, I'll candle them and make sure that everybody's moving and everything. But, um, I just, I cut vertically along the top of the egg and I, uh, then I hook back around and I make like a window. So I pop that open and then I take a little, uh, snake probe and I break the, um, the membrane that they're encased in. So they're like, you know what I'm talking about. They're in yeah. case the egg yeah. is like encased in a clear egg. So I pop that and make sure that they're breathing and their tongues flicking. They're looking out, but there's no way for them to tuck back in that egg and drown. Mm -hmm. So, um, uh, and some, you know, that their, uh, yolk sacs were, you know, pretty significant. So I just left them in there. And then, uh, like over the next couple of days, they used up most of that egg sack and the ones that, didn't because they they moved around or whatever um any any eggs like that that i have i'll just i take i take the hatchling out of the egg and i let the egg sack hang through my fingers and i just give it a quick spin put it back in the incubator in just a shallow amount of water and um i'll come back the next day and it's it you can see that where it, the umbilicus is into the body it's dry so I just cut it and and they're fine. They start eating right away and they're good to go. So I, I you know I, I don't know how I got lucky doing that, but it's it's like almost like uh, routine for me now. So I don't care what anybody says. I do what I do and you do what you do and we're happy. We got baby right. monitor, right? right. Everybody's right. happy. I, even though it's gotta be nerve wracking after like two hundred something days where you're like, and I guess I'll just spin this and hope to God it works. It's like the yeah. first couple times you know what? I, figured, I figured what, what what do i got to lose he's gonna tuck back in the egg yeah. <laughs> I, I i had like i said i probably wouldn't have been so ballsy if i didn't have so many eggs in the incubator i mean these things are like breeding machines I, they throw eggs at me damn that's uh that's, that's awesome. a good spot to be in yeah it's not a bad <laughs> thing i mean you know it's, it's not a bad thing you're right yeah and um, i think too in terms of the the heat that comes for cutting eggs and all is that we so you put that out online either you're writing it out or whatever and people take their own interpretation or apply their own skill or lack thereof to what you're saying and mm -hmm. 
say, oh, this, they're sort of envisioning themselves being a disaster trying to do it and it going poorly. And it's like, yeah, but I'm not a disaster. I know I have a, <laughs> I know what I'm doing. Yeah, I'm not, I have I'm a skill not. and finesse with this. And that's a whole different deal than someone who's just a butcher. Right. Well, you know, in, in the same breath, like I said, I, I talked with other breeders and, you know, everybody's like, no, you never cut monitor eggs. And I'm like, well, you know what? You're not sitting here looking at, you know, I had one beautiful baby and it died because I did nothing. So yeah. I figured, and that's when I just started cutting the eggs and at least breaking that um, that membrane so they could breathe on their own and have no chance of going back in and drowning. And then from there, it just evolved to, you know, a couple of them popped out of the eggs and they were running around with their yolk. Yeah. So yeah. I, I knew that wasn't good, especially in the Sims. I use Sims egg boxes for everything. Mm -hmm. And, right. you know, the grid in there, I don't want them to, you know, maybe rupture it and bleed out. So mm -hmm. I, I put them in another Sims container with, with no grit, no grade on there, just in a little bit of water. So when they, as they're walking and moving, there's nothing for it to snag on. And then, like I said, the next day, if it's dried up near the, um, you know, where, where the umbilicus goes into the body, I just give it a little snip. There's no blood. And literally they start feeding right away. Wow. That's awesome. I, I, we we, I have a new appreciation for Merton's. Since we kind of, <laughs> since we saw them over in Australia, where it was just like they, they're just so badass. <laughs> like I, they're, yeah. they're my I those videos. I see yeah. those videos. Oh man, that that impressed me. Yeah, they're all they're, they're just a cool animal. And then you know, I, I I've had uh I've had one here at one point um for a while. I was babysitting for a friend. They're definitely one of those animals where it's like you don't think of them kind of like a croc monitor where it's thinking a lot, but they seem very, very intelligent and always kind of trying to figure stuff out to me. Yeah. Oh, they're definitely smart. I mean, when, when, you know, I built that big habitat for them, 300 gallon pond, you know, you, you don't have to keep them that way. Mm -hmm. Um, I just wanted to, because like I was telling you, I really love, that's part of it for me, is building naturalistic enclosures just, just to see behaviors and stuff. Mm -hmm. And it, I just feel if you don't, you're kind of cheating the animal. And to be honest with you, cheating yourself because, man, I see so many cool behaviors. I don't have to go to Australia. You know? <laughs> and, and, and snorkel with them. So, it's cheaper, yeah. Yeah. Cheaper. yeah. But, um, uh, yes, like I was saying, they they – they do so much in the water. They, they, I've never caught them once copulating on, um, there you go. That's the wow. big enclosure. Uh, I never caught them copulating on land anywhere. That's always in the water. I mean, they may court on land a little bit, but when, when he gets to her, they're in the water and it's, it's, you know, it's amazing. They do a little, little swim. They're rolling around on each other. It's, it's really pretty cool. I got a lot of footage of that too. Um, I just, updated my website so my guy is going to be adding all the the videos and the podcast like this and stuff so it, it's in the works so it'll be there soon that's cool, cool. That's awesome. so i don't know um i i, I want to just I, I guess start with like your setups because your setups are amazing so Huge. my i guess the first question would be coming from this because a lot of our listeners are going to be snake you know oriented uh keepers and such but like is it do you sort of, is it a blanket type of, uh, you know, let's, if we're talking Australian monitors, right? Is it, is it sort of a blanket type of uh, cage that you can go, or is it, you have to go species by species, obviously with Mertens, you need the water and stuff like that, but. You, right. You, yeah. Yeah. You, it, it is pretty, 
in my case, it's pretty species specific. I mean, but I wouldn't narrow it down to like, um, you know, Australian versus Philippines or African. Um, it's all pretty much the same. Uh-huh. The differences would be like the size of your enclosure, types of dirt that you use for nesting, which is key to breeding monitors. You, you know, you could have. That, that's going to be like a quarter of the show. So. Oh, the, 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 the dirt? <laughs> the dirt is the quarter of the show. So, yeah. yeah. Dirt Rob, is your mic is, uh... your mic is on your head. Yeah. There you, <laughs> <go>. <laughs> there you are. Now you're there you go. Now talk. <laughs> okay. Now we should have like a, the discussion of dirt should be like a quarter of the show's entire discussion. So sure. you can do and that. You know now. What? It can be actually. You, you yeah. do it. Oh, yeah. Legitimately. Yeah. Your soil, okay, I will. Your your yeah, soil can make you or break you, and and you know it's not going to make you or break you, but it's going to fuck your animals up. <laughs> um, if, if you don't provide proper nesting for these animals, what they do is, they, you know, they're very intelligent animals, and they just won't lay in a place where they know it's it's a lost cause. So if if your temperatures aren't right, your soil humidity is not right, your soil types not right. What they do is, if you're lucky, they'll dump their eggs. They'll scatter them in the water or, you know, um, just scatter them on, on your land area, on your soil, which is good because then you're not, you don't have an egg-bound female. But sometimes they, they get, they hold them so long, you know, they, they, they could fuse to the oviducts and they just go egg-bound and it's not a good thing. Um, you know, and I know like from back in the day, breeding some indigos that you, you can aspirate the egg and work it out. You can't really do that with a monitor, you know? I mean, I haven't tried it. So I thank God I haven't had that all in a single neat line. Certainly yeah, the yeah. doesn't suggest it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. happens when they're not a tube. Yeah. I mean, yeah. all right. But um, yeah, you're, you're, you know, nesting, nesting temperatures and feed is, is the most important things when you're dealing with monitors, you know, you want a good quality diet. You want, you know, you want to provide enough food for a female to throw her into a cycle. And, um, you know, and, and that, that varies too, because, you know, some prey items, they're great, but they just, they don't pack enough uh, calorie to throw them into a, a cycle. So, you know, uh, I'm really heavy with quails and quail eggs. I, I do a lot of birds, bugs, um, some rodents, um, but for the most part, it's quail, quail eggs, um, and they just they relish it. They love it. it there's you know there's the quails are small. They they go down easy. It's not you know um, like a dry mouse. On, I'm not talking about coming. Sure. Yeah, it, yeah. It's it's rough going down their throat. You can see them. They they really work it down. It, the quails, man, they gulp it down. Fish, they gulp it down. Um, you know, um, cooked eggs, raw eggs. Is the key like whole prey items? Is that the key with them? Yeah, yes. definitely. Right. Okay. You 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 don't. I mean, back way back in the beginning here, there was a guy. I'm not going to name him. He's a zoo guy. You, you guys all probably know him, but he started pitching this uh raptor diet and, uh, and, okay. and was, <laughs> yeah yeah and and i was i was i was talking to him like why you know I, why a raptor diet you know and he's like well it's it's nutritionally the same thing as a mouse i'm like 
Is there a mouse shortage? I mean, <laughs> you know, <laughs> pretty sure we got mice. Like, yeah, you know, there's, like, there's, there's mice. There seems to be no shortage of them. So why would you imitate it? Especially when that whole prey, that whole bodied prey, you get, you get turds. You start feeding them that processed mush. You're getting mm. diarrhea, and 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 it ain't just. I mean, they they don't. You know, if they drop a turd, they drop a turd, no problem. When they got that bird diet or whatever that stuff is in them, that turkey mush, man, they spray that shit everywhere. Now you got to clean it and smell yeah. it. It's not good for them, you know. Yeah. I mean, okay. really, literally, with monitors, if you if you're, you know, if you want to get that naturalistic, take a take a larger quail out of your freezer, leave it out overnight, give it to them like that. It's, it's, it's still carrying. They're going to tear it apart. Yeah. But it's not going to stink. They're still getting, you know, organ meat and bone and, and feather and fur, whatever it may be. You know, it's, it's not a, a mush through some processing plant that, uh, you know, Joe Blow ran a turkey through a grinder or whatever. hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah. And, I guess um, another question: Do you see a different uh, prey preferential amongst the different? Th and I know a lot of the stuff you're kind of just getting, maybe just restarting groups with, or just hopping into. But do you see that some of them have different preferences, both either amongst species or then within a species? I know for me, king orum, they just don't want to eat rodents. You know, they love bugs; they don't want to eat rodents. Whereas an acanthurus is the same size; they love it. Even glowered, I love it. Pobarensis, right. sketch. You know, all these different things. Right, absolutely. Um, well, uh, for your king gorms, if if they won't eat your rodent, take a pair of scissors, cut it no, up. up. Yeah. <laughs> like my king gorms, yeah, sure. Yeah, my king, my king gorms, yeah, they they won't take like a. I mean, they're tiny. They won't take like even a day old, like a red pinky. You know, like a day old. Yeah. It's too much for them. But if you along with yeah, along with, you know, your insects, which, of course, that's what they live on. Mm. But, you know, in small lizards and gecko tails and whatever in the wild. But to give them that boost to throw a female into a cycle, take take some scissors and cut up a, a pinky. Like for my king gorms, I'll take a pinky and make five pieces out of one of them tiny little pinkies. Yeah, and, you know, and if you talk about preference, they go for the guts right away. They, they take that gut. I mean, I have Gil and I that when I chop up, um, chop up uh, little pinkies, I'll, uh, I put them in a bowl, in a little, like a bowl yeah. of food dish or whatever, yeah. uh, the lid of a deli cup. And I put a little bit of water in there with them, man. First thing they do is they go down and they start lapping up that blood water. So from the blood water, they're licking, they're licking, they're licking, they're moving around, they're licking and licking. As soon as they bump into the guts or the head or an arm, it's down. They go and they eat it up. And, and that really provides enough sustenance for them to throw them into a cycle. I mean, rodent uh, uh, insects will too, but man, that's a lot of insects. And, uh, you know, crickets are, I can't stand them. They stink. <laughs> I use them. I use them, but I I, um, I just started, and I breed a lot of roaches, too. I do all my own roaches. Um, I have five species because I love my roaches as much as I love my monitors. It's just, I have that bad roaches, and they are just the coolest freaking things. They got, a, they got a Dracula head on their back, and they got black wings. They're just the coolest. It's like, wow, here's a roach, but, you know, God says, 
I'm going to make the coolest roach. So he makes it. <laughs> and it's got a vampire head on its back and black wings. It's, it's just too perfect. So, these, but I these are the feeding roaches. roaches. These are the show roaches. Like, yeah, yeah no, I got I it. Feed, <laughs> I feed them all, but yeah, they, the, the death heads get less. Okay. They, they, I call my roach room. I call it death row because everything goes in there. Don't it? Don't come don't out. Come out. <laughs> no. What's that question? So Alex had a question. Can you feed Tristus pinkies? Oh yeah, I'm sure. Like again, if you know, depending on the size of the animal, Tristus get large enough to eat small pinkies, <clears throat> maybe even chubbies or fuzzies. But when they're young, chop them up, man. Chop. You know what? Chop them up. Put a um. Put some uh, warm quail yolk in there or take a day-old quail and kind of eviscerate it and put that yolk content from the stomach on pinky, on grasshopper, on anything. I guarantee you they're going to eat it. Nice. Now, yeah. is it really easy to make uh, monitors overweight if you're not kind of monitoring their diet the proper way? Like, I know you said you got to kind of feed them to get a cycle, but if you're doing it at the wrong time or the wrong prey item, can you get a female fat fast? Yeah, you know, but generally what when the females are provided with enough calories, what, what they do is they throw that into um, egg production. So okay. they don't really store the fat. They use it for egg production. Where males, you got to be careful because uh, males will get fat. They get big liver fat stores, and it's it's not, you know, okay. it's not healthy for them. And they get lazy. They, they don't, they don't breed. Looking, yeah, I got you. They don't <laughs> want the they're too lazy, you know. <laughs> So yeah, that's definitely a good good question. You, you 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 keep your males lean for sure. Yeah, fat males don't do shit. Got do you, do you do any- <laughs> Take it from me. That's true. <laughs> yeah. Do you do any kind of supplementation with uh, with with what you're feeding, or is? Yep, yep. yep. I um, I use um, mineral uh, with okay. the vitamin D three. Um, I've been using that stuff probably since they first started making it, you know, uh, but I, I again, I'm one, I'm a weird guy. I, when I believe in something, you know, I'm not going to change it, It's okay. worked for all this time. So I just use the, the mineral with vitamin D three, sprinkle it on, you know, liberally females get a lot more. And I also use, um, I'm not real a hundred percent sure the name of it. It's like, um, it's glue, Cosa something. It's it's an injection. I'll give it to my females when they're in a cycle. I'll just okay. take I'll take once a week. I'll put like um one, I think it's an ML, one uh-huh. ML into a, a pinky or a mouse and just give it to them because you know they, they can't have calcium crashes and stuff like that. So and you know, again, your work you guys know you work with live animals, shit happens. Sure, yeah. absolutely. Okay. 100%. Back, back to the dirt. Okay. <laughs> it, uh, so I want to backtrack even further for a second. Oh, okay. Questions all over the place. This is great. So the my first question, going back to kind of your history and all that, would be: I remember you from the Kingsnake.com forum days and all that, and I know um, that you talked to Bill and had a great conversation on lizard brain. So I checked that out. I know Eric has as well. Probably yep. Owen has too. So um, you know, we all heard that, but uh, just. Was there a gap? So I remember seeing you at that time, and then now you've been hot and heavy with the Mertens and all this stuff, and it was like, oh, Mike's back, but maybe he didn't go anywhere. Uh, well, you know, maybe you probably kept stuff the whole time. Yeah, yeah, I, I did. I, I, I was raising eight kids, working, and the collection it got really, you know, overwhelming. I had a really long drive, two hours one way going to work, 
So I kind of tapered off with my animals at that time, concentrated on raising my kids, football, cheerleading, all that stuff. And, and the whole time I kept, uh, you know, Simulus, uh, Varanus Simulus is one of my favorite animals and I've never had success with them. So I figured if I'm going to cut down, I'll cut down and I'm going to work with these so I could have enough time to concentrate on them. And I work with those over the years and still to this day, nothing. And I, I'm now I want more similis and I want to apply my knowledge now to them in hopes that I could breed them things. They are so cool. They're so beautiful. And, you know, back then it was, you know, it was unheard of to have them. I don't even think they called them similis back there. Back then they, they called them like um, uh, black and white teamers. And they, they really couldn't be more yeah. different. So, one hundred percent. Yeah, I'm not sure what that is. That the uh, gloss? Well, yeah. Hey, who was that question from? You? That's from uh, Scott Iper. What, Scott Iper. Hi, Scott. Hi, Scott. It's probably oh, Scott. Probably Scott. <laughs> He's lucky. He gets to play with Parentes. But, yeah, Scott uh, Eifert's in Australia. He gets to oh, play with Parentes and all the fun stuff. Yeah, no, that, yeah. that's okay. If I had the space, and and of course, if I could get them, but I have a close buddy here, right in the area, and mm. I've known him my whole life too, Brian Waterloo, and he does a lot with uh, Varanus Varius and. I could get them, but I just don't have the space for them. And, and, you know, it's, it's, it's weird because I, I would like to have them. I would like to work with them, but it's not like one of those things I got to have it, you know? So, um, but you know, parentheses, that's a different story. <laughs> that one, you'll put a wing on the house. I guess I, I would have yeah. to, yeah, I'd have to branch out into the basement a bit for them. That, that, that'd be awesome. So I know from that conversation that you'd had uh, with Bill that uh, just the timeline and the Mertens you had gotten. So, I mean, Frank had Mertens here back in the late 90s and maybe creeping into the early 2000s. And you sort of saw them. I know Robin, I was working out of Pro Exotics. Robin had picked up two of them that were kind of geriatric critters from someplace. And then in 2016, Quetzal, uh, Quetzal Dwyer had uh, sent some to Cameron. And I suspect that's where yours are from, if, if I'm not wrong, because Ketzel had sent a bunch of babies in June 2016 to Cameron that then got kind of sent all all out and about. Well, they, that could be the origin of the animals. My male, my male and my original female came from uh, Philip Guy in the UK. And my female at two years old, she was gravid. And, and I haven't changed anything since then. I, so I suspect she was a little bit too young. Mm-hmm. And she died egg bound. So mm-hmm. now here it is. I got a beautiful male from UK. Okay. It's not like I'm getting one at the next Tinley show. So I'm panicking. I'm like, oh, I got this monitor, this big, beautiful setup. I, I don't have, I don't have a female. What the hell? So me and my wife were, it, it, this shit drives me nuts. You know, to be out of balance like that kind of. It feels, <laughs> we it can all relate. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean when you when yeah. you're trying to pair something up and you you know it's kind of it, it almost looks pretty hopeless. But like I said, man, God shines on me, man, because a friend that I've known from back in the Kingsnake.com days, who actually has some Mertens, um, and he was kind of holding this in his back pocket. I I don't blame the guy, you know. Yeah. Um, he goes, hey man. He goes, I know a guy in California. He's a fish guy. 
and he's got a pair of Mertens, and I think he wants to sell them. I'm like, great, you hook me up. Yeah. So I started talking with this guy, and he's a fish guy. He's a real good guy. Um, and he's like, oh, and I'm like, okay, we agreed upon a price quite high. And um, I'm like, okay, but, you know, show show me the male and show me the female. So he's showing me videos. We went through, I don't know, maybe a week, almost two weeks. And now I have a mature male at my house, and and he's obviously a male. He's 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 hung, man. He's mm-hmm. he's back in heat. So he kept showing me these two, and and this is really a, a learned uh, something I learned in in working with these animals is um, uh, more so than any other branded species I've ever worked with. Uh, there's a lot of dominance behavior amongst females even females dominating males so a lot of people like this guy in particular too he's like oh that's a pair you know here i'll send you this video he sent me a video and i'm looking at him and i'm like i don't see the male i don't see the male so whatever i I, me and my wife talked about it and said we're gonna you know we'll bite the bullet if we get one female out of the deal at least we're uh, i don't have to work i want back to normal so i i got him now, my male, he's probably three foot at this point. I get these two animals from this guy. They're friggin' ginormous. Oh, no. <laughs> Girth. So, and my, but my male, he's horny, man. So I throw them both into that nice enclosure. And the one kind of scurries off. And the one that was the male squares off with my male. And I'm like, oh, shit, man, this is intense. I mean, they were they were walking, doing the zigzag walk at each other. And Oh, dude. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, so the bigger one actually dominated my male. He jumped down into the water. This other one jumped down into the water, and they, they climbed out on that uh, little uh, waterfall shelf. And the other one jumped up on my male, and he had his, it had its mouth open. And I was like, no, nope, that ain't happening. So I, I figured the other one's chill. So I removed that one and I put it in a separate cage. And my male immediately started hitting on that female that we knew was a female. So once they were locked up and everything chilled out, I went and I was checking out on the other side of the room. I was checking out this other male. And I'm looking mm-hmm. at him, damn, that, 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 it doesn't look like a male, man. It just doesn't look like a male. And then, and then it just, I'm not the smartest guy. Bing, it dawned in my head. I'm like, man, I'll bet that's another female. Oh, so, if that worked out that way, that's yeah, freaking yeah. awesome. So I, called, <laughs> I, I called my vet up, and my vet, he's really cool. He's a dog vet, but he lets me go and use the equipment and stuff. So I bring them all three of them in, and I x-rayed my male first because I know he's a male. I seen the pit tag and the um, calcified hemipenal bones. So male, put him back in a bag, take out the one that I'm almost positive is a female, put her on the x-ray machine, no bones. Okay. So I got a female. Now I'm, I'm looking at the tech. I'm like, this is great. She goes, whoa, you know, didn't even know they're dog people. They didn't. She's like, okay, <laughs> it's great. So I said, okay, so we x-rayed that one, two females. I was happy. I had 1.2 oh, wow. and, Jesus. And, and both of them just throw eggs at me. So it, it worked out great for me. I, I, I got blessed. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. I, knew, I haven't heard that, you know, and you're retelling it here. You know, it's so awesome, but so strange to our experience. So when we saw them in the Northern Territory, 
the male, the dominant male in the area was so obvious compared to all these substantially smaller, thinner females that were all sitting heavy, you know, just, but very, and certainly there was a behavioral difference in the male almost climbed up. Oh, and Owen's just standing there. That male gave no shit. I'm up and check him out. Very very clearly much more wary than this male that was just not afraid of anything. Yeah. He put put himself between us and the girls too. He was, we were here and then he came walking right in between us and all his girls were over there. So he was yeah, definitely. It's in a park it. setting. I wonder if, if people like maybe toss some fish or Oh food yeah, or they have to. Yeah, yeah. And there's, it's probably stocked or something there. It's sort of like a semi, I mean, certainly they're wild, but it's uh, yeah, they're, yeah. they have a lot of human contact. I think the lace, right. the various do that a lot in, you know, on the coast because all the people down there and all that. So they kind of get the same experience, but it's definitely yeah. pretty cool. Yeah, we got Yogi Bear that'll steal your picnic basket. Various sandwich. Exactly. Yeah, I was going to say, like, how many kids' sandwiches do you think they're snatching when they ain't paying attention? Of course they're coming right up to me. So, yeah. So, so we got a question here. I want to backtrack. We were talking about the dirt, right? And yeah. uh, so here, here's the question from uh, Johnny Barrett. He's just saying, so what dirt would you recommend? Is it a specific, uh, is it species specific or is it a general mix that you like? Is there anything you should avoid at all costs? Um, yeah, yeah, there's, there's, okay. Number one thing that I made this mistake myself years ago is, and I hear people saying it a lot, but you know, region to region, people call things different. You know what I mean? So people say, um, you know, and I it, it kind of gets to me when I see it on the groups and stuff. Uh, peat moss and sand. Well, if it's the peat moss that we get here, that is the worst idea you can do. Number one, it's super acidic. I mean, it, I, if I'm not mistaken, uh, peat moss is um, like decomposed sphagnum moss. Yeah, 100%. Right? It's super fine. It goes airborne easy. And when I was years ago when I was mixing it thinking, you know, I was trying everything. So I'm mixing this stuff and it's just floating, floating everywhere. And, you know, I don't know, a few minutes later, my nose, my, the back of my throat, it was, and I'm not just saying irritated, it was scorched. That acid or whatever is in that peat moss is so brutal. And I'm like, my God, if if that happens to me in just a few minutes, I'm going to have my animals running around on this stuff. No. So peat moss, Avoid at all costs if you're talking about this proper peat moss. You know, mm-hmm. I know people people call that cocoa core peat moss. So, it, right. actual peat moss for your garden, forget it. Don't right. use right. it. Um, a good mix is like, um, I would say like sixty percent dirt, forty um, percent sand, and then you can throw a little of that cocoa fiber in there to maintain humidity. You know, um, of course. I could tell you percentages, but I don't do anything. I'm Italian, so when I cook, I don't <laughs> use a tablespoon. I pinch just this. Yeah, pinch of this, friggin' that, I throw this. Exactly. Yeah, I got and, it, yeah. and, I, and unfortunately, my non ain't here no more, so I, I can't. I don't know if I mess up because I don't get to smack in the head no more. <laughs> oh but goodness. yeah, so um, what I use is um, I'm weird, dude. I'm a weird guy. I've always been this way, like. Well, because having toads and stuff when I was a kid, you know, I just I pick up dirt like uh, what is that guy Braveheart or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> now it, look at it, feel it, and and it, you know, I just 
I don't know how or why. I just I think, okay, this will be good. So when I got back in with the monitors, uh, with the Mertens, um, my wife, her family owns a farm. So I'm at a farm in Wisconsin and we're driving around. It's 180 some odd acres. It's huge. And um, I see this pile of, he's like, oh, that's garbage. I'm like, garbage. Are you kidding me? Stop. So he stopped. <laughs> this is her father. Like one of the first times I ever met the guy. Stop. <laughs> Stop. Okay. So he stops. I get out. I do the Braveheart thing. I'm smelling it. I'm smelling the dirt. I'm like, he goes, you like that? I'm like, yeah, and I, I like it a lot. He goes, you can take it. So there had to be, I don't know, man. I got, I got, I don't even know how many yards, maybe 25, 30 yards of this beautiful aged farm dirt. And it works great. I had a little bit of sand for like the Mertens and uh, the the uh, Australian species, the dwarfs. Right. And uh, yeah, it works good. It's it's the great base. And what it is, it's, it's like a, almost like a forest floor. So it's a lot of decomposed leaves and sticks and, and maybe even some mulch that's, you know, I don't know, cypress mulch that's mm. decomposed. There's no sticks, nothing heavy in it. It's all fine. It packs real well in your hand. And to me, the smell, it just smells like beautiful earth. Right. So it's it. pretty loose, but it'll pack tight. It'll hold right. some moisture to it, hold some shape, but it's not a rock. I remember when Robin had switched to that, uh, that oh, yeah. those granite, oh, that whole, that whole fiasco. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah I love great. Robin too, man. I love Robin. Robin's a great guy, man. He is. Yeah. hundred percent. Oh, you used to work for him. Yeah. Twice. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. you, you remember that guy creeper creep? Yeah, Creep. from way back yeah. in the day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's that's what I'm talking about way back then. But yeah, um, yeah. Robin, he he was going to use that decomposed granite, and then in talking with him over you know the years with it, he said, "Yeah, it gets wet, and when it dries out, it just it's like some man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's too. It's way too hard. But so you're doing at this point. You're adding a little bit of scent. You're making a mix. It's not just a, oh, I go and I'm getting. You know, no, yeah, I, I add some sand to it uh, just because it's it's too uh, it's it's too foresty for mm-hmm. the Mertens, it's too foresty for the, the Audatrias, but like my coming eye, my um, uh, Jobiensis, they get it straight off the farm. You know, I don't add nothing to that leaves. I, I put some leaves over the top of it. You know, right. Is it like play sand that you're mixing it with? Is that? Is that okay? Uh, yeah, it- play, play sand or it's even it's it's I think over around here they call it play sand or torpedo sand. So okay, okay. it's fine, but it's not real fine. It has almost little pebbles in it. So okay, it's, it's, not, like it, totally it's not that. Yeah, it's not like uh, it's not, mm-hmm. yeah. Okay. Cool. Okay. Very cool. And that, that you pack it in there. Like I know that. Um, I think we were talking to Mike Waterloo the one time. And he says with his Brian um, Waterloo, Brian Waterloo. Why did I say Mike? Sorry, Brian Waterloo. <laughs> That's Mike. Um, he, he says he packs it in there for oh, his, um, laces. Like it's yep. like almost like it's a brick that she's got to really dig and really try to get through. Right. Well, now, now, what's different for those? Actually, you know, the more research that everybody's doing, and you know, Doctor David Kirshner, he's the guy who, you know, kind of I can remember back way in the in the King Snake days. Um, you know, oh my God! You talk about fighting and bickering. Those forums—they <laughs> were—it was great, man. I, I loved it. I kind of 
tried to stay neutral. And then I kind of got on the wrong fence with somebody in particular, but mm-hmm. whatever. I mean, I don't care about that stuff. I, I, I don't, you know what I mean? You like right. what I like and can't we just get along, I guess. <laughs> so, but that didn't, it don't work for everybody. So um, Frank had the lace and, and, you know, he used to go off about how, you know, well, I, you know, he done he'd done a lot of great things. Don't get me wrong, but, and I was never into various and, mm-hmm. Then Dr. Kirshner came along and he lives there with these animals and he field studies them and he's out there with them and he knows that they're termite mountain nesters. And Frank had said that his lace females clawed the shit out of the inside of that big log he had and laid her eggs in there. And then Dr. David came on there and he's like, oh, my God, you know, here's what it's trying to do. And they went back and forth about, no, it's proper. And he's like, no, it's it's not. And, you know, and now after all these years, we know they dig in cement hard termite mounds. They bury them in there. The termites cover them back up and they really don't have no way to get out of there until females come back to lay again. So those are really long incubations. Um and uh, so, yeah, it, it, it's always better to have your dirt packed rather than loosely put in there because I don't care how good your soil is. If it's just loosely packed in there, it's going to cave in. So mm-hmm. you, you kind of want to make sure everything's packed down so when they dig a burrow, it actually holds. Um, uh, but, yeah, the termite, the termite mound box type thing where they have to dig into it, dig into it, that's great. That works for Ackies. It works for Kimberleys. It works for Pilbarensis. I would imagine anything out there in the outback, you know. That's cool. Is there now, a certain level? Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, no. Go on. You go on. I was going to ask, is there a certain, uh, you know, uh, um, how deep you make the, the substrate? Oh, yeah. I mean. That you shoot for? Yeah. You're not going to provide proper depth for you know, in a big Ilaris or a lace monitor or, you know, a coming eye monitor. My, my tubs are 24 inches deep and they go to the bottom and they lay their eggs down there at the bottom near the heater. And um, in the wild, I'm sure depending on the season or the conditions, they'd either go deeper or shallower depending on, you know, rainy, not rainy, has been rainy, hasn't rained. Um, You know, I have a, I've had three clutches of successful Jobiensis. And again, we used to argue all the time about this. They were shallow nesters. And I had a theory that, you know, they're coming from, you know, around the Sepik River and it's wet and rainy. And so, yeah, you're not going to bury them deep because the deeper you go, the soggier the ground's going to be, you know. You want something that's more drain, more of like a drainage layer, I would suspect i don't know for sure but even these the, the jobiensis that i have here now i've gotten three four clutches and they're all shallow nesters and it's just because i would assume they're from you know a soggy rainforest area right it, okay. it makes sense and if you got eggs it means you're doing something right right yeah, uh, I mean, yeah. I, I got to hatch the peach throats again i hatched those back and geez i don't even know what that was that was so long ago but I wrote a paper for um, the International Varanid Interest Group for Bob Mendek, and yeah. I got to do it again. I, I'm obsessed. It's, it's like <laughs> not having a female uh, Mertens. I, I got to do it, and I'm getting close with this 
this pair that I have, I've went through a few females, but this female I've had since the beginning and she's doing real good. And, and, you know, I, I suspect she's grabbing now. Uh, she's doing a lot of digging, shallow digging, of course. So yeah. I'm just hoping that I get another clutch and I can hatch them out because you know what? A baby peach throat is freaking beautiful. Yeah, they're gorgeous. Yeah. I got some babies on my on my website. If you want anyone wants to take a look at them, they're they're gorgeous, man. You, they're beautiful. Uh, Dumos monitors, aren't they? Like uh, those babies too are gorgeous. Yeah, Dumos babies are. Yeah, Dumos babies. Yeah, that's yeah, they're they're beautiful, but you know, give them a few months. Yeah, right. <laughs> it goes away. The yeah, then yeah, I understand that. You know that, that you guys are Python guys. It's like a ring Python, right? Oh, uh, say no. <laughs> oh, I heard you. I'm oh, sorry. I have one. <laughs> it's like oh, I yeah. got a ring. Yeah, but so. their, their babies are gorgeous. Gorgeous. Yeah, it's, you know, they, yeah you're right. They kind of fade out a little bit. Black. That's beautiful. So, Mike, it just in, like it was interesting, actually. My imagination and tell me, hey, you're wrong. Is that to me the cool thing about monitors is they're sort of. You can approach them very similarly, and then it's sort of the add-ons. Whether you could do in cork, you're adding for the Mertens, you're adding a big water feature. You're doing this sort of different stuff. You're where they're going to nest and what you want that soil to feel like in terms of moisture is going to be different. But they're sort of all the you do, but you can do basically the same thing. Maybe it's one light versus a bank of lights, all this different stuff. But it's sort of the same thing. It's just a question of scale in its own way, and then maybe they have small preferences beyond that. Yeah, that that's true because um, I just started now with. Um, Audatrias, and uh, you know, I'm not gonna. Have, I've got king gorms that are maybe you know nine inches. I'm not gonna fill up one of them two foot tubs. It's just too much work, and so that that's really, to be honest with you, I I, I really I've always loved the the uh, New Guinea stuff, crack monitors, stuff like that. They all yeah. require huge cages, even the peach throats and and the. The Mertens, they're, you know, they're, I would, I would call medium size monitors and, you know, eight foot cages, they take up a lot of room. It's a lot of maintenance. And uh, so these are Datrias. I, I got, you know, I put them in smaller cages that I, I put them on wheels. I can move them myself. And um, so, yeah, with, um, with my King Gorms, I have those. Yeah, there he is, man. Beautiful. So the, the Gorms, I keep them in a large mortar tub, and there's the Similis. I keep them in a large mortar tub. There's maybe seven, six, seven, eight inches of, of sandy soil in there, and that's pretty sandy. Um, and they dig down to the bottom. They lay their eggs, and, you know, there's, there's, they don't miss a beat. So when I built my – when I designed the um, the Glowardye enclosure, I'm like, you know what, it's, it's not a – it's not a huge enclosure. And I learned something from the King Gorham that, you know, you know, as long as they have the proper nesting deep enough, right temperature and humidity, they'll lay their eggs. So rather than, you know, going to schlepping dirt, I've been schlepping dirt for so long. I, 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 you know, my kids do it for me now. My legs are all beat up from concrete. So um, I decided I'm going to go with a smaller uh, nest box type thing. So in that, in that glowered eye enclosure, now if you go down, if, if the opposite side of where that animal is, there's yeah. a, a little rock mound. Yeah, right there. Go up a minute. Okay. Right here. That, yeah. One more up. The next picture. No, the other way. I'm sorry. See what I mean? I'm oh, too far down. Okay. But one more there? picture. No, one more. Middle one, Eric. 
middle one. Yeah, there, you there you go. Okay. So now, if you could see that down there, the bottom right, you could see yeah. that little hole there. Well, yeah. that hole is uh, um, I have my wife thinks I'm freaking crazy. I seen I seen on Facebook a guy had a, a rolling file cabinet. I'm like, I have no idea what. I'm just weird. So I wanted it. So 15 bucks, I got it for, I don't know, four years. I was raising cockroaches in it, and I, I wheel it around in my cage. <laughs> and then I'm like, wait a minute, man. That would be a great nest box. I don't need to wheel my roaches around. I carry them. So I put that in the cage, and it's below the, the bottom surface. So they actually have to go in this little crevice, just kind of like my Mertens, but of course the crevice is much smaller. So they, they squeezed the female squeezed through this little crevice and I got the heated box in there packed in sandy soil. And, um, I'm sure they're going to nest in there. I've seen a lot of breeding activity from my, uh, glowered eye. They're just coming into uh, maturity. So I'm really hopeful for him in that picture there. You could see that he's locked up with her in that, that, uh, little crevice there. Yeah. So, awesome. All fat and blown up the female. So, Oh, Hopefully wow. it works. I mean, I can. I, I won't know if I should adjust until I get a clutch, you know. But I'm pretty sure it's going to work. So what what are your ambient temps in the room, both in summer and then in winter? Because I think you're putting yeah. heat onto it, right? And then talking about the, the heat of the nest box or even your yeah. subsoil if you're doing like a side under tank heating. And okay. Rich, uh, that's the same thing. Okay, very good. Really good. Yeah, Rich is a good dude. Um. Okay, uh, so my room temperatures here. I'm I'm in the Midwest. I'm in Wisconsin. Cold in the winter, hot in the summer. So I kind of do it differently. In the um, in the summer, I turn my heaters off because, of course, everything heats up a little bit. So in the summertime, my my room is is a comfortable eighty degrees, maybe eighty two, um, just from all the cages and lights and stuff. Uh, in the summertime, I, I mean, in wintertime, I run space heaters because, of course, I'm below ground and it gets, you know, the base temperatures get really cold. So I keep it around 82 to 84 degrees. Um, and that that puts at least four, four or five more degrees in all my enclosures. So um, when my cage ambient temperatures and a lot of people, they, they don't agree with it in. And the only way I can de describe it is, you know, I get this advice from somebody who's in South Florida. Well, dude, South Florida is a whole different ballgame than the friggin' iceberg I live yeah. in, you know. <laughs> so my temperatures, most people think, are pretty high for ambience. Like my cool spots in my enclosures in the summertime, probably like 75 77 in the winter time it's 78 79 if they can find it because it's if it, i cook them my, my room is hot it's cooking hot um uh nest box temperatures i shoot for uh, of course you want a thermal gradient so um another another thing that people tend to do and this goes way back to the early days they want to put that heat pad on the bottom of their nest box. There's only one problem with that. Being a guy up here, I know when it's hot in the summertime, your dog goes in the backyard, he digs a hole because the deeper he goes, the cooler it gets. Oh, yeah. So it doesn't make sense that they would dig deeper 
for warmer temperatures. So what I, you know, in thinking that way, I said, well, how are they going to find them temperatures if it's all the way on the bottom of a two foot tub? So what I do is I put them on the side of the tub from the bottom to the top. They can go to the side and feel the heat and then they could dig down. And as they're digging down, if it's too hot, they dig away from the wall where the heater is. And, it, it, and it's worked out like a charm. So I shoot for 90 against the wall and then it, it ventures out to, you know, Sure. whatever my cooler temperatures are 78 so they could they could have choices choices is good right yeah. so you're setting it at 90 or you know putting that on the front end and then just having it range into the cool however cool it can get exactly exactly awesome. figure out themselves you're basically yeah. just giving them the option to figure it out and if they put, know put the they yeah. Yeah, yeah i let yeah. them do what they do that's that's you know with monitors <clears throat> there's there's no trick in them there's no uh, you know, you're not going to outsmart them. I mean, they've been, they've been doing what they do for a million years. I support, uh, you know, I support a good, healthy, um, husbandry and they do the rest. I, 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 you know, I wish I could say there's a method, there's a formula. I just, it's all about proper support for your animals and giving them those options. And from there, they're not dumb. They know as long as you give them the options, they'll figure it out, and they do. Yeah, they're much more reactive than snakes, and in terms of the the react react and response. And if you are equally responsive to what they're telling you, then you can. That's the success that you're having. I mean, to be having the success you're having with all this different stuff, that has to be yeah, the case. That's that's what I attribute it to. I attribute it to just good support for the animals and giving them the options, and they do the rest. They know what they want. <clears throat> so as long as you provide all that for them. Which you know it, it it may sound easy, but it's not. I mean, it, there's a there's a lot to figure out, and you know, placement of heaters and proper soil and food. So as long as you you can get that, the mentality of, okay, they're opportunistic in the wild. They'll eat just about anything. So give them just about anything. Give them a wide variety. Give them a wide variety of temperatures. Some high, really high basking temperatures. And some not so high basking temperatures, and they choose on their own, and they they know what they're doing, and they do it. So you're giving them multiple basking temperatures. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, I got okay. like like for you know when I do raise ups, you know I I I shoot for over a hundred. So a hundred twenty is a good like raising up babies. That's a good temperature for them to metabolize food. Gotcha. But now when you got females that are gravid and they're trying to you know build up uh, you know uh, uh, egg production they like it hot I got them I got some basking spots like for my mertens for example yeah, it's 150 I mean literally if you put your hand on that slab in my cage you can't keep your hand on there for a few seconds and they'll bask you know maybe 20 30 minutes or less and they just do what they got to do and they move on right. Very cool. and they'll come back an hour later and do the same thing for five minutes yeah. and they'll go away. Yeah. Yeah. They regulate something else. Yeah. Very so cool. you out of this, uh, the que another question out of that is: Do you leave? Do you consistently provide uh, access to supplemental heat, or do you leave the lights on twenty four seven, or do you turn them off? Are you with Frank and Robin, or are you you turn the lights off? Yeah, I turn the lights off because um, I think I think the uh, yeah I think the, the day night cycle is probably more important than worrying about. You know, a constant heat, which, yeah. you know, I mean, you know, they get that in a while. They get 
it drops in the nighttime. The sun's gone. It gets a little cooler. And the, the reason I don't worry, kind of my formula that, that, that works for me is because, again, I keep my ambient room temperatures very, you know, right. I mean, that's, I think that's the difference. You're not yeah, dropping them in the 63 or something at night then if they're right. Yeah. I mean, they probably, they probably welcome the lights out. <laughs> it, it, yeah. Yeah. they're like whoa oh, thank god <laughs> yeah it's it's it gets cooking i have to show this real quick uh i guess that's your daughter saying hey dad <laughs> oh yeah that's my, that's my firstborn hi Savannah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, very cool you're getting very a lot cool. of love here in the yeah, chat dude. man yeah they're yeah, uh yeah. He clearly didn't piss off enough people when the King's Day <laughs> Forum days. You should try harder. Yeah. Well, you <laughs> know, it's really crazy. I don't know how it is in like the Moralia world or the famous. Is it yeah. the same? <laughs> you, you either got fans or you got haters. That's yeah. <laughs> if you don't have haters, you're not doing you something right. right. If you have some <laughs> that just absolutely hate um, you. As long as my monitors don't hate me, you can I hate me. Exactly. I don't care about you. I'm yeah. The lizard's well, okay. I think yeah. I think well listening to you on uh, Lizard Brain Radio um, when you were on there, you know one of the things that I, I love that you said was, and you've said it during this thing, is that you're not you're in a different spot than somebody that's in Florida. Mm -hmm. So like understanding how the animal works and adapting your environment to that animal is just you know I think I wish that people would understand that more. Yeah. You know, like yeah. understand the natural history of the animal and then try to adapt your uh you know where you're at to it right yeah. see because like you know across this whole great country we live in the, the, everything varies humidity temperature sure. the barometric pressures and it just so happens that you know thank the lord i got it figured out for in this area sure. you know like if i was to up and move to texas man i'd have to shift my whole thing because i know this wouldn't work in right. texas that's track. why people people want a formula, yeah. and there, there's no way I could give it to you unless you're my neighbor. If you're my neighbor, I <laughs> do what I do, and you you'll most likely be successful. So move right. next door to Mike, and then you'll have a chance to listen to him. Right? Yeah, there you go. Yeah, I ain't got no neighbor. I got one neighbor. There you go. <laughs> Smart. <laughs> I got a question as far as like with the the dwarf monitors. Well, I, I I'm assuming you don't really this doesn't really play into the 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 bigger monitors. But with those dwarf monitors, are that are you providing like humid hides in some way? Do they need those humid hides that they have oh, to yeah. get to? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. A great question. Yeah, because you know people think uh, you know Aki's there. It's a desert monitor, man. They have they all utilize microhabitats. I mean, right. um, you know Gil and I, Gil and I come from a scorched, scorched landscape. But what they do is they'll, they'll tuck themselves in between the bark and a dead tree where there might be, um, you know, I, I don't even know what that, what that like that fibrous stuff that from a tree and it's going to hold moisture. It's probably on the shaded side of a tree underneath the bark. So while they may bask in this deadly heat, when they get too much and they, they need a little bit of moisture, of course, you know that every everything's just their whole life is just trying to conserve moisture. Right. So what they'll do is they'll go up under that tree bark where there's some of that uh, fibrous, uh, you know, tree type material and it's moist. So that's where they get their moist hides. So, yeah, yeah. You know, don't think like 
it's a sidewinder, you know, it, these animals, even a sidewinder. Right. Sure sidewinder's got to get out of the sun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. I'm sure they know where to go to get a little moisture and not lose as much, you know, uh, moisture through their, their, through their respiration, their body, their scalage, whatever, you know, that all plays into it. So and again, you, Oh, go ahead. You know, and again, that was would vary from region to region. You know what I mean? Right. So yeah. what is your approach to sort of like uh, get that human hide going? Are you using like uh, like something for them to go into, like an actual hide? Or is it like some kind of tub that you have rigged up like you have? It's, the, it's, uh, well, like for the Mertens, that cage is, is cooking hot. There's a lot of water in it. So the air, so humidity. The air humidity is already there. The, the, right. Where they lay in their lay box, that's very, very humid, not wet, but it's very humid soil where okay. like uh, my peach throats, again, with breeding these animals to uh, mats, you know, you, you need mass. You know, people are like, oh, do I really got to use 24 inches of dirt? No, you don't have to, but you know, you you're not giving your animals 24 inches of choice, which is only the bare minimum of what they, what they right. require. Right. So, yeah, it, it for me, I don't do like um, like cork tubes packed with sphagnum moss, which I'm sure would work. Right. No, I, I just use um, you know uh, a mass base of moist soil. Okay. So if they want to dig, they'll go dig. That's where they'll go get their uh, you know get out of the dryness. Gotcha. Okay, right. makes sense. Okay. You know, uh, Mike, you said like, you know, with, with the whole thing of talking, like just because the habitat is like 110 degrees during the day, doesn't mean that that's where the animal is during the day. I mean, <laughs> how much research do you put into a species before you kind of try to recreate and try to bring it into your thing? Cause it seems like you're putting a lot of legwork into this stuff. Yeah. I, you know what? I, I, I've done tons and tons of research from the day I, I traded for that peach throat, mm -hmm. which was, I don't know how many years ago. It's just, that's all I do. I, I, I research, I, you know, I listen to smart people, you know, like Ron St. Pierre, he's, he's smart yeah. guy. Um, you know, I learned a lot from him, his methods, it's a little different in Florida. I try to apply it here. Um, you know, I just listen to people and do my own research and in my head, it, it, this might not be right, but it's working so far. I I have like a wild imagination, so I just imagine how it would be to be there, you know. Mm. And that, it goes back to my naturalistic enclosures. I try to replicate their habitat as best as I can. So probably more so than researching the animals themselves, I research habitat and and where they come from, okay. uh, things like that. You know, I mean that, that's it's like I say if you're if you research the animal, you're going to get so much information. If you research where they come from, you're going to understand the soil is soggy and wet. The soil is dry. There's microhabitats under rocks and in crevices. It's it's all different. But once you get a grasp on, or not a grasp, but once you get a, a curiosity as to where they come from and you learn about where they come from, you just apply it to your animals. And of course, it's a little different in the you know, in a basement, you're in a room, you're in a, you know, eight by four cage. Um, it's a little different, but you just apply it to the best you can. And over time you realize, okay, I don't need to spray them that much. The, the soil's getting soggy. Uh, maybe I need to add more drainage and you just, you figure it out. Be open to adapt to it. Yeah. Right. right. Yeah. There's a lot of that with, 
with uh, with Varanids, I've noticed there's a lot of um, like problem solving. So you you need moist soil. How moist? Okay, you you play with it a little bit. You spray them. You hose them. Uh, you know, like my tubs on my coming eye, my abigularis, my peach throats. None of those tubs are drained. So it's kind of like a, a balancing act with, you know, trying to keep the air humidity there and not make the soil soggy. It, it's. Mm-hmm. You know, that's why I say there's really no formula. It's kind of like what you do, and then you get a feel for it, and, and you just do – I just do what I do. Right. You well, know, and hope, hopefully the animals like it. <laughs> well, apparently they, they do. Right. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. yeah. You react to it, and you'll act accordingly, right? That's that's yeah, the key point. Yeah, you'll absolutely. You'll be reading Like, yeah. I've got to throw out here, um, like, uh, you know – with water monitors okay yeah. peak roads um they like water water monitors love water they're water monitors um you know and people want to give them these big water features the only problem is you know a five foot male coming eye they're if you feed them properly their waste load unless you got something like the shed aquarium filtration <laughs> they, they are going to overload it they're going to kick dirt in there. They're going to clog your filters. And you know what you're going to be? You're not going to be a veranda guy. You're going to be a fish filter guy. You're going to be right. cleaning. And and so with that said, when I built that big, huge water feature for my Mertens, I knew nothing about Mertens. It, it, as far as like um, where they shit, you know, I know mm-hmm. the water monitors and the peach throats. Not only do they crap in the water, they crap in the water right after you clean it. So, <laughs> so. It doesn't make sense to have filtered water. And I used to schlep those mortar tubs in and out of cages. And now that I'm getting older, I, I put drains on everything. So they take a crap in there. I open up a ball valve. It goes right to my sub pump through the spaghetti strainer. And I rinse it, fill it, and I got clean water. See, that's part of it, too, is you got to make your maintenance easy, too, because if yeah. you're not- for water monitors and these monitors that crap in their water they crap in the water they kick their substrate in the water and to filter that you just become a, f- a fish filter cleaner so getting back to the mertens i didn't know if they were going to be you know water crappers or what so mm-hmm. i i made these big elaborate filters and you know here it turns out they crap on mine crap on the land you know 95 percent <laughs> of the time so i got all this filtration running and um and i was maintaining their their um you know because i keep fishing stuff in there with them and, and other things and it's just a a cool like like micro habitat of uh, a variety of fish animals snails crabs uh that's so cool ocean. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And, and, and you know they, they just love it because they can go hunt when they want. They rarely have to hunt because I feed them so good. But I, I was using Marineland filters, and oh man, you talk about it. now these are these are animals that do not crap in the water. Okay, you got to break down these canister filters, change <laughs> them out. You know, if you get lazy, you do it once a month, and it's just a big stinky chore. So. Um, in doing this, my, my wife and her family, they own a tropical fish hatchery. They wholesale tropical fish to the pet shops in the Chicagoland area. Nice. So they, she told me that uh, a company had approached them, and it's Oasi North America. Great, great company. 
cutting art, uh, cutting uh, state of the art filtration. And I always thought since I was a kid, because I, I used to keep snappers and snapping turtles and stuff like that. And, you know, you want to heat the water and your snapping turtle bites into that glass cigar and yeah, you know, it breaks it. Yep. Yeah, it breaks it. And hopefully it doesn't get electrocuted. Hopefully you don't get electrocuted pulling mm -hmm. it out of there. So I always thought, man, if 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 somebody could make um a canister filter with a heater in it, and she told me about this company, uh Oasi North America approached her. And I'm like, hey, they wouldn't happen to have a canister filter with a heater in it, would they? <laughs> so, oh my god, that's what they were pitching to me. I'm like I got to have them. I need, I need, a, need some, a couple. So I, in talking with them and, and, um, you know, in talking with me that I go on the internet a lot. And, and so they started sponsoring me. So they're giving me Pondovac. So my, nice. it's so easy to maintain that Merton's cage. I got a Pondovac that soaks up like they're, uh, because they don't crap in the water, that nest box ledge that's, uh, that I keep them on. Well, they crap in there. Well, I got to reach in there and pull that out. So again, here's another problem I had to figure out a solution for. So, and I love the way my Zupoxy rocks look. So I didn't yeah. want to cover them with nothing, but yeah. that's just the way it had to be. So I put um, the cocoa blocks on top of that now. So when they crap, I just spot clean it. I take a scooper and pull out their turds, but my water stays nice and clean. And Owasi has the, 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 canister filter with the heater in it and nice. it has a pre-filter so once a week when i do a 50 percent water change it's one little valve i flip it open i pull this it's it's you know it's, it's about two feet long but okay. it's a pre-filter you take these little sponges off you rinse them you you know it i think this filter is going on like a year two filters going on a year that i i haven't had to break it down where those uh marine lands i was breaking them down you know if I was lazy once a month and it's just nasty work, but this Owasi with that pre-filter and the, and the heater in there, you can't beat it, man. If, and people, you know, they balk at the price a little bit, man, come and spend a week at my house <laughs> and, and, and I'll put the Marine land back on there. You maintain a Marine <laughs> and you tell me what's worth the money. Right. So, you know, it's just a great product. And again, even that filter is it's not going to keep up with the load of a water monitor or a peach throat, you know, uh, yeah. that's just too much waste in the water. So you recommend like smaller waters for them or do you like, I mean, how do you give a I, water feature to a big animal like that? Or okay. Like that? Well, I, I mean, uh, my coming eye male, he's mm. pushing five foot and he's a beast. He's huge. I use a large mortar tub. Okay. They keep going there. They can swim. They, you know, they, I mean, they're not swimming outright like my Mertens do, but mm -hmm. they, they swim around, they rub their heads and they scratch and do all their shedding stuff that they have to do. They crap in the water. I open the valve drain. It drains. I fill it. It's probably about, I would say maybe six gallons of water that I okay. put in those tubs. And I like, I, I don't have to pick up the tubs because of the drains. They go mm -hmm. to the stuff pump. It blows it right out my basement window and it's beautiful. All right. So basically, if you're going to do big monitors like that, just be prepared to plummet or you're just asking for a lot yeah. of work. Yeah, because, right. you know, it's nice to have the filter and all that. But on an animal like that, you're not, it, there's no filter unless you got like the shed aquarium type right. filtration. Okay. It, you're going to overload it. It's it's going to ruin your water. 
So like my water is, uh, my Merton's water is, is it's its own environment. You know, it's, mm -hmm. it, it's, it's bioactive water. It's a biological filtration. It's mechanical filtration and yeah, it works real well. But again, they're not crapping in the water 100% of the time. Man, you, I, I, I'm good. This is a little bit off topic, but I, you know, I was looking, I just go on to your website and of course the Pilbarensis is right there. And, uh, yeah, man, you ain't kidding. <laughs> oh, I tell you, don't look uh -huh. at him, man. I'm don't look at him. <laughs> uh, let me share the screen. Yeah, they pop it up, dude. Like what yeah. are we looking at here? Oh, these things are beautiful. Look at that, man. Dude, oh, you get color. to see yours, Mike. That's super cool. I, I've had a half dozen, and they always just like to hide. Really? No, no mine are mine are out. I tongue feed them, um, and they, That's they, banana. they okay. Yeah, they come right to me. They're they're just man. You know, I I always you know Kimberly Rocks always held like a special place for me. I never had them. Mm. Um, I happened to get a group last year, early last year. And then I was offered a trade for Pilbarensis, and, and I was like, yeah, okay, cool. I'll take some more dwarfs. When I got these things and I opened that box, I was like, oh, my God, these things were <laughs> just so beautiful. Their head, their head, their head, their four, their head, their forelimbs, and just a little bit past their shoulders is just that blaze orange like the rocks they come from, and it's beautiful, <laughs> and, and speaking of which, now, you know, the Kimberley rocks are like that, too. In the Western Australia, they got that beautiful, um, those rocky outcroppings that are like that orange-red color rust. And yeah. so I, I, I use Zupoxy, Polygem Zupoxy, another great product. I mean, you could you can silicone cocoa fiber to the walls. You could tack uh, orchid mulch. You could do all that stuff. Zupoxy, you can make it look like whatever you want. You can make it look like wood, branch. I've made branches, logs, um, rocks, and, and those uh, those rocky outcroppings. And then mm -hmm. you paint it any color you want. I mean, I got some Zupoxy logs and stuff that you could not tell that they're fake. And so that, you know, it, it all depends on how you paint them, too. You got to kind of have a good eye for that. Right. Um, my, grandma, my grandmother was an artist, so I think that's where I get my <laughs> my eye for that stuff. So I made the Zupoxy enclosure for the Mertens first. And, of course, this is a great story. I, you know, Zupoxy, it, it's a little expensive. But, again, you get what you pay for. This, this, this ain't silicone with mulch pressed into it. It's not going to peel. It doesn't fall off. It's made for zoo exhibits. It's made for raptors, for large cats, for Komodo dragons. This shit is, it does not crack it doesn't you know like you can use cement which has so many different byproducts in it that can harm your fish and plants and animals so i didn't want to go that route and a friend of mine had turned me on to the zoopoxy and you know in the beginning it i i'm cheap my wife she, she's not cheap i'm cheap she said buy the 10 gallon kit i'm like oh man that's a lot of money she goes buy the 10 gallon kit i'm like no nah, i'm gonna go with a two gallon kit so seven two gallon kits later, <laughs> yeah, I should have bought the ten gallon. God damn it! So, <laughs> that that stuff. It, it started. I was just going to do that face wall um, that goes up to the ledge, and I was just going to do the inside of the tub because the tubs are black. 
Mm. And, you know, I figured you can't see, you wouldn't, I wouldn't see the Mertens in there. So I wanted something to lighten it up. And then I painted it that orange color. And man, it, that's going on almost four years now. And it, it doesn't sprawl. It doesn't crack. It doesn't warp. It moves. So like, as I drain and do 50% water changes, or even sometimes, you know, 80% if, if mm-hmm. I need it, uh, those tubs are really flexible, uh, the Hagen Laguna tubs. Okay. And that Zupoxy flexes with it. It doesn't crack, and it puffs right back out. It's great stuff. Anybody interested in that Polygem Zupoxy, hit me up. I got kits, and I can teach you how to use it. I'm about to put out a YouTube video that I'm building my uh, Pilbarensis enclosure. I'm going to oh. do a tutorial for it, painting it, everything. So look out for that on YouTube coming up. And, again, Zupoxy is a great, great product. I don't care if you got – a tiny little Neodesha Exoterra type cage or a big monster zoo exhibit. It's great stuff. That's awesome. That's cool. I'm going to be hitting uh, you up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Eric will do it. Yeah. Yes. And so this slides right into it. I wanted to, you have such amazing enclosures and you're working with all these things of different sizes, right? On an Odatria, particularly the small stuff, the non tristus or whatever, it's easy enough to do even the Pro Exotics old school four foot, you know, four by two by two troughs with the acrylic lid and whatever. No worries. You're good to go. But like Mertens and stuff, that's not going to work. That's obviously not enough. So if what, it, what's, what's the pitch? What's your advice to someone like me who Mertens are my favorite from the ones we have? Pro Exotics, those are my favorite non Odatria, you know, bigger than that monitor. And it's right. like, what okay, what do I have to do? How, how am I going to make this work? Okay, well, first of all, there's a company, I think it's called Pentair. Um, they sell tubs like that, they're fiberglass, they're not, they don't have the volume, they're not 300 gallons. And so, of course, I wanted 300 gallons. So, <laughs> and they're very expensive too. And then you got to ship them in from China. So they're just, I'm cheap, man. They're just way too expensive. So, through my wife's business, I got a real good deal on the Hagen Laguna tub. See, there you can see just the, the tub without the window in it. So oh, okay. they hold water. But with for Mertens, you're, you're asking about the Mertens. Number one, they need a big water feature and don't cheat yourself. Put a viewing window in it. Get something with a viewing window because so much of their behaviors are done underwater. And if you don't have that window there, you, you got to look at it from up above. And it's, you know, it's like standing on the shore and like you guys were at that park, you know, you, mm-hmm. you don't really see everything. Uh, I mean, I, I got pictures with them swimming by with tongues coming out right next to the glass. That's so. Simple. To have a viewing window to see all their antics underwater because they're little clowns, man. They're just, they do so much in the water and you'd be cheating yourself if you didn't have a viewing window for underwater. Um, you know, all the breeding and feeding and everything. And there you go. They're locked up right there under the oh, water. Yeah. Under, underwater. <laughs> yeah. Jesus. Underwater locked up and they'll stay there for quite a while. They'll come up, just get a little breath of air, go right back down. And just think if I didn't have that window, I wouldn't be seeing that. So, yeah. right. Don't cheat yourself when it comes to Merton. Have a viewing window for your water feature. Um, now, brings me back to that that Laguna tub. That's not cheap either. And I told Karen, I'm kind of stubborn. I told my wife, I'm like, I'm putting a viewing window in there. She goes, just use the tub. If, if you ruin it, they won't take it back. I'm like, 
if, I, if they ruin it, they don't have to worry about taking it back because I'm going to bring it out in the backyard. I'm going to beat the crap out of it with a hockey. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I got the plan in my head, and I, I know what I'm going to do. And, you know, I just – I'm a crafty guy, and I just come up with solutions for problems. So I take my grinder, and I'm like, here goes. I caught a beautiful, perfect straight line. Now nah, I'm, I'm like, I'm like shaking. I'm like, okay, three more, three more perfect straight lines to go. Okay, so I get it all cut up. It, you know, pretty good, it, very good. And um, so now I'm thinking, I'm gonna put a Lexan window in there. And you know, I'm thinking like Diver Dan when I was a kid. You know, you see that guy go underwater with that big helmet on, and there's all the rivets around it. I'm like, right. I'm gonna, I'm gonna bolt it in, and and I'll see that that those tubs are made out of some kind of polypropylene or something. So not a lot of glues stick to that. Silicone okay. does not stick to it. But I'm not worried about it sticking to it because I got the bolts right. I'm worried about it just getting a good enough bead all the way around. And when I'm talking, I'm like five tubes of silicone, five pump tubes. So oh, wow. I'm just. I'm just looking for it to act as a gasket, you know? Yeah, to hold it, yeah. Yeah, you know, because the, the bolts are going to hold it in place. So mm. I, I just do it. I drilled the holes, got everything on, uh, waited for the silicone to dry. Next day, go down there, make sure the silicone's good, start filling it up with water. So it takes a while. So I hobble back up the stairs, and I'm watching, I don't know, Jerry Springer, some stupid shit. Oh, no. And um so my daughter Sarah is here. I'm like Sarah, go down there and check the tub. See, see, you know how high it is. I didn't want to overflow it. So she comes down, and, and when I went up, it was about half full, and everything was good, man. Everything was good. She goes, Dad, it, it looks like it's about three quarters of the way up, but it's got cracks in it. I've raised eight kids, man. My balls have been busted for 35 <laughs> years, man. I'm like, yeah, right. It's, yeah, okay, it's, good, yeah. Yeah, I'm like, yeah, right. It's cracking. She goes, no, Dad, it is. Well, Sarah's not much of a joker. She's a joker. So I go down there, and I'm thinking, okay, it's not cracked. She's, you know, don't do this to me. I got to go down the stairs. I'm all beat up. <laughs> so I go down there, and, and I look, and there's this crack, and I'm watching this crack go. Oh God! Oh shit! The water turn the turn the two inch drain open. That thing drains and it drains really fast. So it drains. Now I'm I'm upstairs and I'm beating myself with the hockey stick. Oh, you dumb! <laughs> so so now I, I get on the internet and I start researching Lexan. Should have probably done that first, right? <laughs> but you know it's not too expensive, so. Uh, I, I learned it, it's actually good because I I, I kind of learned from it too. I noticed how the, the the tub was bowing and how the glass the, the Lexan was bowing, so I knew okay it's gonna bow. I can't drill it because I don't have the proper drill, and even if you do drill, it, it forms micro cracks, and then with that pressure, the micro cracks turn into macro cracks. So I said, okay, I got to do this without drilling into it so what am i going to do what am i going to do so i take it all apart go get a new piece of lexan eight more tubes of silicone silicone it on there and now i take a, a two by four from the back wall and i make a t so i got one coming off the back wall and then one like three quarters of the glass so it bows always you know 
Mm. So I put it in there and I wedged it in there till it was bowing like it was three quarters of the way full of water. And now I'm like, okay, I'm going to use Zupoxy because Zupoxy, when it's, when it, when it cures, it's concrete. It, it's lightweight, but it's as hard as concrete. So I, I mixed up another two gallon kit. So I'm out more money. <laughs> so I put a bead all the way around the, the edge of the Lexan. And of course, I had to go in there on the tub and and mush up the surface with a grinder to just ensure everything would stick. The Zupox yeah. almost anything. So um, the next morning, I go down there. Zupoxy's cured. The the silicone's cured. So I start filling it up with water. I leave the tea in. I start filling it up with, with the water. The water gets high enough to where the tea actually floated off. So it bowed out a little bit more. Okay. And it's been running like that almost four years now. It's beautiful. Yeah, I, oh, wow. I'd be I'd be nervous in that. Like, okay, here we go. Like, yeah, yeah. man, I was, I was, I, I sprung. I, I, I'm cheap, like I said. Mm. So I went kind of thin with the zoopoxy in one area, and I suspect one of my Mertens had put his finger on there, uh, his talon, and it poked through the zoopoxy and into the silicone. So I developed a small leak. So um, what I did was I put um, Zupoxy sells another product. It's six eighteen epoxy. It's a it's a paint on type uh, like a marine like to fix your boat with. You know. Okay. Yeah. So okay. I put I painted a layer of that on there. I put strips of uh, fiberglass cloth and then painted some more of that Zupoxy six eighteen on there. It's been running. It's perfect. No leaks. No runs. No hits. No errors. It's it's all good. <laughs> wow. It's all good. Nice. Awesome. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. Trying to pull up. Go ahead, Rob. No, I was just going to say, okay. So in terms of space, I, I saw on the website, right, that you have them in, what is it? Six by four by eight, right? In terms of a trio that you have going in there, what's, what's your recommendation for folks? Just, Hey, I think one thing is that you're underselling how crafty and great you are in terms of making stuff and an insight great, into man. how you're going to do all yeah. this stuff. You know, I, I think you're way short selling that, to be honest with you. That's my oh, first, thanks, first reaction. Thanks. I appreciate that. Um, well, that cage is it's eight feet long. It's uh, four feet wide and it's six feet tall, but it's on a platform. So I just call it six foot. So six foot. That's housing an adult trio. So, you know, uh, if you had a lone animal, you could probably get away with, uh, you know, here's the thing. It, it's it, no matter if you, even if you had one, if I had one, I'd still have a big water feature yeah. like that. So right. if you're, if you're using uh, a, a tub that's five feet long, uh, four feet wide and two feet deep, you know, I mean, you might as well just go the rest of the way. I try to do things simple. So that water feature tub and the other tub came out to eight feet perfect. Well, now I don't have to cut an eight-foot sheet of plywood. So it, it just all works out. I try to do things that way, what's easiest to build. So right. I, I would recommend, like, if you're really serious and you, you want to breed Mertens, I would go no less than what I have. Gotcha. You yeah. know. If you had a lone animal, you could probably get away with, uh, you know, maybe something like a like a ninety gallon fish tank in a uh, in a uh, wooden enclosure, you know, mm -hmm. with a 
front of the wood cut out so you can see the tank. I, actually, I got a customer. He bought a, a couple off of me, and that's what he's done. So uh, I've seen some very creative things out there with, along that lines, too. Also, um, uh, a friend of mine, Steve Sandin, he, he, he built one almost similar to mine, but where my platform is up like that, he has it. He has a trough to the side. So his land area and his water level are the same where my water level is lower than where my, uh, my nest boxes or my land area. But again, try if anybody wants to know a little bit about building enclosures and stuff, there's a great Facebook uh, group that me and Steve started. Actually, Steve started it. I'm kind of like riding in as coattails. I mean, we're buddies. Uh, it's called uh, Polygem Zupoxy Vivarium Construction. Go there. I'm an admin. I'll, I'll let you in. And, and man, so many great builders and so many great ideas. Uh, and it's just, it's wonderful. It's, you know, it's actually pretty cool. You, I mean, I still get ideas and inspiration and, um, you know, painting methods to, to make your rocks look more realistic. It's, it's really a good spot. That's cool. I'll have to check that out. Yeah, um, yeah. So you're keeping the, that group together all, all the time, right? So how, how, how does it balance like the female using the nest box? I mean, is it, are you, how does that work? The competition? Well, with the females Very carefully yeah, yeah it, it, it the females though what they'll do is of course i i, I kind of got that down to a science now so when they're gravid i i know they're gravid and when i built that thing i built it to where the little uh if you ever noticed on the cage that landmass there's a uh, uh, like a crack in the rock it looks like a like a crack in the in a rock well mm -hmm. i made that a real tight spot so the females go in there for nesting. The male, he don't even want to try to squeeze in there. It's just, it's too much effort for him to go in there for nothing. Cause trust me, those eggs don't sit long. I, I usually am sitting there, you know, looking at them and <laughs> right. I wait for her to poke her head up and I say, yeah, it's really crazy. My, my Mertens, my female coming eye, um, my Jobiensis, my abigularis, man, I dig their eggs while them they're sit right next to me. Mm. And if yeah. the male comes, they'll shoot a male out of there, but they 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 don't never bother with me. Now my black trees, on the other hand, that was a different story. That's a <laughs> that little tiny lizard. He didn't care about the hairy monkey, man. He <laughs> out of that ass, out of that nest box. But, so far, so good. I mean, I look at my female coming, and I, I'm, I'm like, please, please leave me alone. And she <laughs> just watches me. She sits there and watches me. It's pretty cool. That's wow. Awesome. Okay. So they they're not they're they're never laying at the same time then, right? Well, no? yeah, they actually have. Um, <laughs> okay. It, it, it's just a matter of like, uh, it's not like they're both in there at the same time. Sure. Yeah, yeah, clutch, yeah. and then the next day or two days. But they both go in there and they, they, you know, before they deposit their eggs, they're, they're, um, they're checking it out. They want to know where the temperatures are. They want to know where, you know, if the humidity is good, they look for a spot prior to laying their eggs. So when I see them start digging any of them, really, I know that they're gravid and they're going to be depositing their eggs soon, usually within, I don't know, a week or two. Okay. Now, do they follow like a cycle, like uh, you know, snake wise, or is it just they just 
whenever they're ready and feeling it, they go for it. If you, if you provide them with a time of plenty, yeah, they just keep going. I mean, I haven't, (laughs) I have not, you know, I mean, you know, maybe it's not good. You can overbreed them. I'm sure. So there are times when I'll cut back on a female's food, uh, you know, just so they won't throw into a cycle. And then, you know, there's other times that I just, I, I want more eggs. So right. just keep, there you keep go. Yeah. I'm not going to stop what ain't broken. You know what I mean? If, as long as everybody's good and healthy and, and, and does, they don't seem to be worse for the wear. I just let them keep going. Okay. That's awesome. So while we're on that topic, it's always the, the controversial question. I mean, going back 25, 30 years with monitors, right. Is whether you're keeping them in a perpetual group or you try and you pull them separate and then you're putting them back together. And if that varies by species, particular animals, all this different stuff. So what's your, what's your take on that? Obviously with these Mertens, you're keeping them together. What do you, uh, but then I've heard with other stuff, you're watching them and you're saying, Oh, now I'm going to toss in the mail. So that implies you're not keeping them together on different things. I, I'm a group guy. I keep them 90% of the time in groups. Um, of course, with my, um, the abigularis, I had a, a big walk-in cage for those. So it's what I call uh, veranda juggling. Uh, when you're feeding them, you know, you're trying to get more to the female and the male. It's just, he, he's like, what we'll the hell? Leave yeah, it alone. Like, yeah. Right. You're going like this back and forth. So, um, when I got rid of my abigularis, I put my coming eye in that cage and there ain't no stopping him. He's just a big beast. There's no stopping him. And, and when as soon as he figures out that I'm fattening up the female, he don't go where I want him to go. He stays by the female. So now, you know, it, it's, it's rough. So I put them back in their original cage, the one cage that has the, uh, the pass through. Mm-hmm. So I got a, a big five foot, five foot by five foot cage where the male is with not a lot of substrate and the female has the big eight by four kind of like the mertens but uh, instead of water that whole tub is full of dirt and i just i trick him out of there with a rat he'll go on that side i close the door i feed him i feed the crap out of her i open the door and then put him back together but for the most part they're together all the time okay right on yeah and are you doing that from the you know, sorry go ahead no, no, go on. I was just going to say, so are you rearing them in groups too, or are you going to, you grow them up by themselves to max them out and not get sneaker males and all this different stuff. And, and then you just have that one uh, excitement of the introduction and, and then no. you move forward with life or do you raise them in groups too? I raise them in groups too. Yeah. Okay. I, like, I got, I got uh, five holdback Mertens and man, you should see these fuckers, man. These, they, <laughs> my, my male, he's, he's, He's olive green and he's heavily flecked. My females yeah. are olive green and very lightly flecked. These holdbacks that I have, they're damn near polka dotted. <laughs> wow. These five, oh man, I'm sure they're on the website. Um, you yeah. know, I don't know specifically where they would be on there, probably just in the photo section. But man, some of these holdbacks that I have are literally almost polka dotted their, their dots are small but i'm gonna try to i'm gonna try to selectively increase that to where i would maybe have something that's you know almost heavily polka dotted so that's a goal of mine it's gonna take time but i'm trying so so are you already sizing up 
where that's you're great. Put the next you know, giant when, Mertens enclosure in your basement. I mean, like, are you gonna? Is that yeah, like the, across own, the hall? Is the next one? Like, you know. Question. Good. Oh, oh. That's a separate question. Hold on. Before Sorry. you get there, that's a Sorry. separate question. Now, the when we were in Darwin in Crocosaurus Cove, they have a Mertens that's like that that you're talking about, where you see those really blasted polka dot uh, indicus. It looked just right. like that. It was bananas. Mm. You know, just yeah. that total rose situation. Yeah, that that's pretty much that, these. When I look at them, sometimes that's the first thing I think of. I'm like, man, that looks like an indicus. You know, <laughs> yeah. uh, they're really heavily yellow spotted not flecked their spots man and they're they're not randomly patterned they're almost in real nice rows they're beautiful beautiful animals but as far as the next big mertens enclosure goes no nah, these five raisebacks these five holdbacks what i'm going to do is i'm going to take uh 1.2 and then i'll retire my other ones they've given right. me so many so many babies and so many mm -hmm. eggs are still going at it but when you know another year they're going to take over from there and they'll be retired gotcha and that's something awesome like that is that no that's my mail that's oh, boy. okay yeah. that's my mail there's so even showed, more than that yo you showed one and that's probably no it's it's, it's when you looked at the mertens there was that one sitting on a log it looked like a yeah. smaller one is that uh, one maybe it's up yeah. on the uh, smaller yeah. one sitting on a log and that's probably the least, um, yeah, right in the front. Yeah, yeah that, right there, over there, there. Yeah, that one there is probably the least polka dotted of the five I held back. Wow, I mean, like even just look at the baby coming Looks out of like the egg. Looks like a diamond python. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> I love it so much. Very They're cool. beautiful. They're beautiful, man. Okay. So, Mike, you're hitting on it there, or you know, Owen hit on it. Got us into this question because I mean, that's the other thing that to me is sort of defined monitors, particularly non dwarf monitors from the midnight, you know, from Frank having success, you know, kind of being the first guy to have some real success with them um, in the U.S. is the perpetual problem, right? Especially if you're talking even Mertens or bigger. That it's like, how can you as one person, okay, you you can you made 50 of them, right? But how do you keep more without it just being having a warehouse? And that's <laughs> and the problem is then maybe at some point down the road, you say, oh, well, I'm just going to play with the other stuff. That's not my, I made 50 of them. What do I care anymore? All this stuff. And then it disappears again. They're, they're mm -hmm. so cyclical. Anything, especially the non-dwarf stuff, so cyclical, right? Because it's it's just such an investment that, like, it takes someone special like you putting in and doing all this work and then having a plan that says, oh, I'm going to switch them out with these ones and then consistently keeping holdbacks and doing all that stuff, or they right. disappear. And that's what's defined the monitors in general for 30 years in the U.S. Right. Well, I, I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. Um the only answer I have to that is as much as I love my animals is as much as I love my cages. I, mm -hmm. I, I think of them as, you know, my masterpieces, my coup de grace. I mean, I'm a concrete finisher, man. I, I don't have much of a legacy, but my artistic ability with these animals and these habitats, that, that really, it, that's part of it for me, a huge mm -hmm. part of it. So you know, I'm not going to put a peach throat in that Merton's cage. I'm not going to put a lace monitor in that cage. That cage is for, it's specific. It's for uh, Merton's. So as long as I'm making Merton's, I'm going to keep putting them in there until that cage falls apart. And then by the time that cage falls apart, I'm sure I'll have another idea, which I already do. 
Um, <laughs> I mean, you it's know when you, there. you know when you go to the mall and you sit in the the food area and they got the pond and all the plants and the, the atrium yeah. windows. Yeah, that's what I want one day for my Mertens. I want to be able to sit in there at a little friggin' bistro table, have a cigarette <laughs> while they're crawling up on me, and I'm feeding them quail. That's what I want. Nice, real yeah. plants and everything. You know, that's running awesome. water. Yeah, one day I'm working at it. <laughs> we all have our dreams right? yeah that, that's a good one though but um yeah. but I, I i get that where it's like it's much easier for me being a python guy i'm like this one's pretty i'll put it in this cage and that's it like you can't keep right. I'll put it in this prefab, yeah. yeah well i'll put it yeah, in, in this prefab cage for a while over there. Yeah. Yeah. into this prefab cage it's right, just right. a whole different thing it doesn't that's matter it. to me that i keep my male and his three sons like i can i can do that you right yeah, but you're out of space. And that's that's kind of, you know, with that cage, I was thinking, okay, that's specific, man. That's for Mertens. Mm -hmm. So when I built the Glower Eye cage, I'm like, before I built the Glower Eye cage, I got a, a table at the, not Tinley, it was the uh, St. Louis show. Mm -hmm. So, okay. you know, and, and Brandon Schifflet, Rare Earth, he's, I went to Tinley and I seen he's got that beautiful monitor mountain. Yeah. Yeah. Man, that is fucking killer. That that I mean, to this day, that I remember that. Yeah, that's beautiful. But I, in my head, I'm like, man, I gotta do something better. I, <laughs> I, I gotta, you know, and that and that's saying a lot because that that cage is I that's mean, that cool. Mountain is yeah. awesome. So I'm like, man, you know, I gotta do something different. And and in my head, since I was a kid, I always had like I lived in, I grew up in a town called Franklin Park, real industrial. And I, they had those uh, blue plastic 55-gallon drums behind yeah. the factory everywhere. I'm like, wow, those would make great cages, you know? So in my head, I was just going to cut a square out of it and use um, the, the flimsy window plexiglass that would actually mold, you know, and right. then throw it closed. I'd figure out a way to close it, hinge it, and keep them in there with some water on the bottom or substrate, whatever. And um, so – when I seen his monitor mountain and I was thinking, I got to top that. I somehow I got to, if I don't top it, I got to at least come up with something that people are may think is as good or whatever. Mm -hmm. So um, a guy down the street here, he posted whiskey barrels for sale. So I'm like, okay, oh, okay. whiskey barrels, that's better than a blue barrel. <laughs> so I went and bought a couple whiskey barrels and I played with my Zupoxy. And I came up, I don't know if you've seen my table display on the website yeah. somewhere. Yeah. So uh, I came up yeah. with, uh, I took two barrels. Uh, I made the one big barrel. And then, of course, this was to sell my baby monitors. So the one was designed for Mertens in mind. The other one was designed, it's like a river. So I was going to put my uh, hatchling coming eye in there. And oh. then the other one was like a quarter barrel, all, you know, cut in half. And I built a beautiful uh, rocky outcropping, and I was going to put my baby Yakis in there. So, turns out, my coming I hatch. I got a guy calls me. He goes, "Okay." He goes, "I, I want, I want your coming I." I'm like, "Okay, yeah." You know, I told him the price. He goes, "No, no, no, no." But I want them all. I'm like, "You want them all?" He goes, "Yeah, I want them all." So this guy bought. I don't know. I think it was like 10 or 12. One crack. Boom. He bought them all. So 
I didn't have nothing to bring to the show, so I got these beautiful setups. I got Mertens in all of them. <laughs> and, and, uh, so, like, now this year I think I'm going to be a little more better prepared for to, to put individual species in there in, in those set enclosures, you know. That's 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 a killer setup. I mean, that's awesome. It's, and it's not really a bad thing that you sold out of everything before the show. I mean, can you really complain – that much? Yeah, I want them all. Yeah, yeah. Okay. You, you know, want to buy them all? Okay. <laughs> when, when you got the wife sitting there going like this. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, no, it's fine. Can I trade <laughs> off a few? Can I trade off a few? Yeah, sure. Trade off a few. So. Oh, my God. <laughs> she wants everybody's happy. That's right. That's right. Very cool. So one other bit in terms of talking about larger monitors versus smaller monitors is, uh, are you using banks of lights with those bigger, with the Mertens and yes. bigger rather than a yeah. single bulb to try and avoid that, that central heat spot and all and getting a burn and that sort of stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, very important um, to distribute, you know, heat throughout their whole body because like, like you said, if they bask up under, just their back and their head is, is you know, where all the, the thinking is done. That's still cool. They're going to think, well, you know, I'm not up to temperature yet. So they just sit there and their back burns. They don't really, you know, put that together. Their head's cold, their tail's cold. They want to be warm. So, yeah, you have to use, I, I believe in using a bank of lights, depending on the size of your lizards. Like my five foot, my five foot, um, uh, coming I I use um, I use uh, I think it's called Fiat is the name of the company they're halogen flood lamps 75 watt par 38 which I guess par 38 I just learned is the beam spread or whatever so I use two and for that big animal it covers his body he's five foot now when I had my abigularis and the other one I had a bank of five of those and, you know, that was necessary for them. And when I put my coming eye in there, I cut that back. I turned two of them off. So instead of having uh, five, they had three. And now that they're back in those other cages, they have two. And it, it, I don't get any burns. But, that, yeah, that's very important that you make sure you're, you know, depending on the size of the lizard, you cover a good portion of their body. You, you don't want them to burn. Gotcha. This is uh, it's, a, it's temperature related, but um, I'm just curious is, you know, what what are the challenges of incubating eggs for like a, almost a year? And like, what are like the tips that you could give that like, what are you looking out for? Has there been any mistakes that you made that you look back and you say, I'll never do that again? You know, those kind of things. Yeah. I, you know, like we were talking, you know, happy wife, happy life. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm the kind of guy when I was a kid, if I, you know, I, I didn't have money, you know, growing up, but I had animals and I wanted cool cages. I wanted to dress them up. I didn't want just a tank. So if I was driving down the street on my bike and I seen a, a dresser or a console TV, you know, I'd throw it on my shoulder, get on my bike and bring it home, bust the drawers out of it, put plexiglass on the front and deck it out. And it was beautiful. So I'm a garbage picker. My wife doesn't like, she still doesn't want all my garbage, you know? <laughs> so we're going down the street. This is about five years ago. We're going down the street and I see um, this 
like a pop, you know, a commercial pop cooler, which says, Oh, oh yeah. Like you know what I mean? Soda fridge. Yeah. Like, okay. There, there's my incubator. She's like, Oh yeah. Oh my God. You're going to pick up junk again. I'm like, yeah, this ain't going to be. Yes, I am. <laughs> Trust me, you know, but so she said, no, she said, no, we'll buy one. So we bought one that wasn't big enough. It pretty much designed for colubrid eggs and it was very expensive. And right. I, I ruined two clutches of coming eye eggs and they're drying them out with the fan with no, you know, there was no dimmer on it. So, mm-hmm. you know, after those, after those two clutches went dry, I said, I'm getting rid of this. This thing's going in the garbage and I'm getting the cooler back in the house. So I got rid of that incubator and there's a, a company over here. They sell, they refurbish like cooler, you know, those commercial type coolers with the glass. Yeah. And, um, so I called them up. They're like, oh, yeah, you know, $5,000. I'm like, no, dude, you don't understand. I said, I want one before you work on it. I want a broken one. <laughs> I want a junk one. Yeah, no. Yeah, he goes, what are you going to do with a broken one? I said, don't worry about it. How much you want a broken one? <laughs> so, so he sells me the broken one. I, I get it home. I scratch all the cerveza fria off of it. And mm-hmm. all the I took out all the guts, you know, the compressor, the, the you know, the all yep. that refrigeration things, so the so and all that fun stuff. Yeah, yeah. And I put, I, I put um, uh, heat tape, flex mm-hmm. heat tape, all the way down the side, all the way across the bottom, and all the way back up the other side. Keep it nice and you know warm in there. I don't have to crank it up. Mm-hmm. Like it had a real small heater in it, so you, you know you had to crank it. It was that that ABS type board. So it lost a lot of heat. This thing loses nothing. It's very efficient. I made it. It was inexpensive. And people say it all the time. Hey, what's the best incubator to buy? Build it. Build it. If you build it, you can build it exactly for what your needs are. Mm -hmm. It's less expensive. So now I got the, the, the fan on there with a dimmer switch and it barely runs. It's just enough to move the air a little bit. Um, got it running with a what is it? Vivarium Electronics 300 runs the heat tape, right. and you know I, I I coated the it was white. I, I didn't want white, so I took um, like signboard. You know, it's it's like corrugated cardboard, but it's yeah. plastic. Mm-hmm. I glued that all on the inside, so it was nice, even in black. And then I got one of those um, you know the Baker rack, the real heavy that people use them for snake racks. Yep, and yep. I custom sized fits right in there take the doors off it slides right in and i put all my eggs on the rack it's beautiful yeah okay. i've been i've been living by my most i have a coca-cola fridge downstairs yeah. got a soda bottle as a handle it's very yeah. best thing you may have ever had yeah. <laughs> never change it yeah, yep. yeah. I mean, it's one of the it's it's yeah. made to hold air so <laughs> the whole point yeah it's one of yep. the advantages of running a supermarket i get them all the time like, all the broken uh, fridges yeah, yeah. Yeah, I bet, I, bet they, I bet they ain't five thousand dollars when you get rid of them. <laughs> no hell no. No no. No, they're free. Yeah yeah <laughs> yeah. Just uh, yeah. Oh, and that's funny that you say that because the other day, like Ralph Polinsky, we were talking about. Right. He he's a Python guy. He's I've known yep. him since high school, and yep. he we kind of hooked back up on Facebook after a long time, twenty some odd years. And he's like, hey, can I come and see your monitors? I'm like, are you sure you want to do that, Ralph? <laughs> he goes, yeah, 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 I want to do that. I'm like, all right, Ralph, come on over. So Ralph comes over. It's like, I don't know, two months later, he's got nine 
nine <laughs> monitors. He's got black dragons, coming eyes. He's, he's got a oh, big wow. inheritance. And uh, so there was two. Uh, a guy must have had him like in his man cave or a garage or something. And he threw two of the upright Pepsi ones, not the wide one like I got the, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. And there was two of them. And, man, you know how how bad that was for me to go past that and not float in the back of my truck. <laughs> I said, you know what? I'm going to go to the store. When I come back, maybe the garbage guy will get it by now, and I don't have to worry about it. It's gone, right? Mm-hmm. So I come back down the street, and, of course, I'm looking. I'm like, there are two of them. I'm like, should I get one for Ralph? What should I do? And I, I, and I kept hearing my wife, quit picking junk, quit picking junk. So I, I left them. Incubator. It, incubators yeah, inside the road are never drunk. That, that is that – is, that is classy. <laughs> we need that yeah. stuff. That's that is useful tools. Because but. I was thinking, you know, okay, so maybe, maybe I take them home, I dress them up, I turn yeah. them in incubators, and I sell them. Yeah. She don't want the drunk in the garage. She don't yeah. want the drunk on the property. <laughs> <laughs> I've sold. I've 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 had many fridges at my house, or like mini fridges and stuff with like glass doors yeah. break. I gut them and then I sell them online as. Uh, um, Incubator starter kits, like it's yeah. getting there. Like you got to buy the heat tape. That's so, it. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely, it works. And it doesn't take much, you know, no. brain work to do it. It's, if it's, I can do it, anybody can. If you I can just, set up a snake rack, you can make your own incubator. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. And and I like the idea of uh, you can adjust it, like you said, based off of what you need and what the animal eggs that you're putting in there will need, because it's it is going to be different depending on what you're breeding. So right. You know, do the research and understand what you're trying to get into. So, yeah. Um, and, and then, of course, along with that incubator, um, John Adragna with the Sim container. Man, yeah, what, I love them. Yeah, John's cool. What a great product, man. Now, are you putting straight water in the bottom of the Sim container? Are you using the sponges? What's, I, you know? I've tried it all. At this point, I'm, I put water to the fill line because I, I don't really dick with my eggs i i gotta wait so long i put them in there i don't you know i don't pull them out and i don't have to worry about water sloshing i put them in there until they hatch and mm-hmm. yeah I, I i crack the lid to look in there a little bit and that's it do you have to worry about like uh you know uh with this, either the i mean that's such a long uh, again when you were saying what 249 days for the 162 262 okay yeah. So, like, uh, are you refilling that water? Do you have to worry about uh, – no? It's good? No. Okay. It, it's it's like it's, it's – I don't know. It, the best because I'm not super intelligent. I, I It's almost like a convection, you know. It, it mm. You put yeah. the water in there, and it, it once it gets set up to – you know, I, I try to match the water with 85 degrees, and that initial water that you put in there, it creates humidity. And as long as you yeah. don't open it up, you're not losing anything. It just, it just, it's like a convection, you know, it's just, I swear by them. Yeah. I yeah. use them all. I use them all the time. I, yeah. I think they're great, but do you have to keep the density down in the egg boxes though? And especially, I mean, those Mertens, those are big eggs. The com- Mertens yeah. and coming out those are big eggs. So you're probably not, you don't want to overstuff it. Right. Especially as they start to. Well, with the, the extra, extra large Sims, I've had my largest clutch of Mertens has been 14 eggs. No problem. I could probably squeeze another two in there. So, but 14 is, is comfortable. Awesome. Okay. And then uh, an, a final question in terms of the, the young Mertens and 
I suppose any of the stuff that you're doing. So many, so much. Uh, there have been interesting ideas right out of Glower Eye that you can sex them based on the ocelot. You know, sex youngsters, right? Either by transilluminating the tail, or you're, you know, looking at the ocelot, and oh, it's got this marking by the eye, or it doesn't have. You seeing any of that stuff with any of the stuff you're working I, I, with? I'm you know this. what I. People say that to me all the time, and I look at them, and I, I question. I have not tried the transillumination yet. Um, I may. I may with my audatria. I mean, so far, I what I do is when I get my youngsters, um, mm. I just raise them up. And, you know, so far, I've been hitting pretty good. The, um, the Pilbarensis came in, and they were obviously 1.2. Um, when I got my original... 1.2 Kimberly rocks. The guy tells me they're 1.2. Mm. They come, they were literally this friggin' big. They could fit. They, I lost one because it got out of the tiniest gap. I'm like, there's no way a lizard can fit through there. But the Kimberly rocks have such a unique skull structure that, yeah. uh, you know, it, it may be wide, but it's super flat. If they yeah. get their head through there, they're like they're an gone, octopus. Man. They're gone. Yeah. So I learned the hard way with them, but those two turned out to be 1.1. And then I got uh, three more from another person that were a little older and they were uh, 1.2. So I got the 2.3. Cool. But yeah, I, I noticed, you know, I, I, I guess my, the earliest indications that I could tell like on coming eye and stuff is more like head and shoulder structure. And then, you'll notice the hemipenal bulge when the male matures. So. Okay. Awesome. So everything else like that, everything before that is grasping at straws. <laughs> Got it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I give, when people want something specific with like my Mertens or whatever, it, depending on how old they are, I just give my best guess. I've been hitting pretty good, mm. but again, I, I can't guarantee it because, you know, I've had males that, that, you know, I swear they're they're females. And then right. I'll go in there the next day and I'm like, where's that little female? And I'm looking around, I'm like, well, I see that male there. They just these females, like when when they mature, boom, that hemipene is there, the shoulders are there, the neck, the bulbous snout, the snout. It's just so obvious. But it's crazy because this change almost seems to happen like in a matter of just a couple of days. So it, it, it kind of throws you for a loop when you're like, wait a minute, man. <laughs> Where'd you go? Like, yeah, where'd you go? And then I'm looking at this male and he's, you know, like Burt Reynolds, he's got his junk hanging out looking at me like, yeah, what's up? <laughs> so, so, yeah, it, it is what it is. But, yeah, it, it's a crapshoot with the little guys. Wow. Okay, well, we're, we're going to cut off here soon. So, uh you know, I know you wanted to throw out a couple of uh, plugs. Uh, so why don't you hit that and we'll get okay. that. Um, yeah. Plug. Water filtration. Yeah. I don't care if it's for fish, ponds, mini shrimps, these these new <laughs> fat with these micro tanks. Look at Oasis products. Um, you might pay a little more for them, but trust me, it's well worth the money. Uh, it's going to save you in the end. It's a whole lot easier equipment to work with. Everything that you handle and touch and, and use to uh, clean and manipulate is all blue. So if you need to take the pre-filter out, the valve is blue. The, the hose settings are blue. The heater port is blue. So it, it takes all the 
you know, the guesswork. Oh, is this the import? Is this the outport? It's all labeled. It's all color coded. So Alaska, North America for your fish and water needs. Zupoxy. If you want to do naturalistic setups, uh, you know, climbable back walls, uh, sidewalls, water dishes, hide spots, logs, zupoxy. Um, pick it up, mix it up, apply it however you're going to do it, texture it, paint it. There's all kinds of videos uh, on uh, how to paint, like, you know, the little micro figures, the people who have Star Wars figurines. Oh, yeah, yeah, little, like, game things, yeah. People blow me away what they can do with paint. So yeah. I started watching it, and there's a, a technique called dry brushing. Uh, you, you lay a heavy, dark base coat that gets in all the grooves, and it gives you your depth. And then you dry brush over the top of that zoopoxy. It, it takes a little work. You got to keep going till you get the color you want. But man, you you talk about something that looks exactly like a tree branch, a rock, um, you know, a, a mushroom. You can make a mushroom look like a real mushroom if you're good. You know, if you're right. good. Enough. So zoopoxy, right. um, oasi, and that's it. And me. You can. <laughs> yeah. You can awesome. me. Uh, Mike's monitors on Facebook. You can catch me, Mike's monitors at on Instagram, Mike's monitors.com, and then just a regular Facebook page, Michael Stefani. Gotcha. Awesome. I, I mean, I can't thank you enough. I mean, I feel like we just scratched the surface. I don't even yeah, feel <laughs> <laughs> You're going to have to do a, a roaches show, roach care, roach breeding, you know. Yeah, all that fun. No problem. No problem. That's that's all the good stuff. That's fun. <laughs> yeah. So I'm sure we'll be in touch again. But thank you so yeah, much, man. I yeah, appreciate it. Again, uh, hey, I, thank you guys for the opportunity, uh, Bob. It was nice talking to you after all these years of the old days on the forums yeah, and stuff. Uh, you know, God bless you guys. It was a great opportunity, and I really appreciate it. I hope to do it again with you guys soon. It was a lot of fun. Hundred yeah, percent. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully, we'll catch you up at uh, one of those shows when those start up again. We'll see the. Whiskey barrels with all the so, monitors. Yeah. yeah. As a matter of fact, one more yeah. plug. We got the yeah. NR, uh, NARBC going in Schaumburg. Uh, that's June uh, 19th and 20th. And then you got the NRBC again in St. Louis, Missouri. That'll be in November. Um, oh, geez, there was one more shout I wanted to do. Geez, I misspent youth, man. I, I'll think of it as soon as we hang up. Hey, if you think of it, oh, let US, us know. We'll US Arc, man, everybody's yeah, yeah. going US Arc. We yeah. need the support. We need to help. You know, these these crazies are coming after us. This cancel culture stuff is for real. They're coming after our reptiles hard. When they're you don't think it ain't gonna happen to you because when they're done with the reptiles, they're they're already they've already done birds and fish. They're coming after all of it. Next, it's going to be your little pooch and your cat. And then you're going to be saying, I should have listened to the reptile guys and stuck with them. Join USR. Definitely. I'm making that a commercial, man. That's I mean, our oh, new yeah, commercial. Like, put that in the, put that at the end of the show. Every time Michael just yell at people for one year's arc. It's great. Oh, man. Yeah, record that and cut it in there. It's great. There yeah, go. I mean, you got tons of love in the chat. People are wanting a part two already. They're already yeah, saying dude. in here part oh, two. Now, now everybody wants monitors. I mean, you yeah. know. <laughs> hey, Trader, for, for anybody out there that's thinking about monitors, yeah, that's it. Uh -huh. Put your hand, put your hand you down. You talk, to someone, talk to someone who knows a little bit about monitors. 
you're going to get bit by that bug. And before you know it, you're going to have a basement full of monitors. And that's oh, a beautiful no. thing. Oh, no. Yeah, man. Yeah. <laughs> right. Cool. Um, yeah, I guess we'll just throw our stuff off and we'll just jump. So, uh, for, uh, for us, just moreliapythonradio.com. You can uh, check it out. Uh, the website, uh, everything that we got going on is over there. If you want to get in touch with us, info at moreliapythonradio.com. Uh, you can follow us on Instagram at moreliapythonradio, uh, net or NPR network. Um, you can follow us on our YouTube page, which you're probably watching this now. If you're listening to the audio version of this, uh, you can go and, uh, Check follow along and see uh you know mike's uh, amazing uh enclosures and animals and everything he's got going on or just go over and check out his website links will be in the show description um what am i forgetting Owen? and i'm, I'm You're forgetting, forgetting stuff. all the shows on the channel oh, yeah so if you want to listen to uh, all of our different podcasts I, I think we need a monitor podcast now i think that I mean, has to happen i mean let's let's get yeah, adding one and thing two on this yeah so we yeah. got uh we got us uh Moray python radio we got uh carpet cliff notes we got colubrid corner we got the uh me uh Sna- student of the serpent uh carpets and coffee um what am i forgetting owen Forgetting Lucas's one, which is people uh, of the culture, humans of the culture, humans of the culture. Sorry, um, yeah. and then your other one with Nipper. Oh yeah, the field herping podcast. Hopefully that will be up this weekend. Oh, um, and uh, hopefully, hopefully, fingers crossed. Hopefully. So maybe we'll see. Uh, so uh, yeah, so uh, check all that out. Um, you can follow myself, uh, Eb Morelia, on uh, Instagram and Facebook um riley's at uh riley's reptiles uh, lucas is at centralian exotics might be aspidites exotics at some point i'm not sure the way that, he, it's yeah, going I don't know what's wrong with that poor boy <laughs> rob i have to you're you're only on instagram yeah what's up with yeah, that I mean, high plane culture. yeah high plane yeah, but, instagram but that's that's my favorite bit it's on facebook and all to you but no, right, okay. thanks so much right. mike this is awesome yeah, Mike. Hey, do me a favor on rob and bob and all you guys <laughs> I, I'm not real, you know, inclined with the internet and stuff. If you could yeah. give me, uh, like, your send me a link to your page on Instagram. Yeah, yeah, we could be friends, man. Oh yeah, yeah. oh yeah. Absolutely. I'm gonna, I'm gonna punch it up in a second. Yeah, hundred percent. Great, 100%. man. Look forward. Totally. To it. Hey, thank yeah. you guys again very much. All right, thanks, dude. This was awesome. So, right. good night, guys. Take care. Till next. You All too. Right. Good night, guys. All right. See you. Good night.